you know, when people realize really how dangerous microwaves are, and we, you know, that's a much lower intensity microwaves than we were talking about. 5G and, and this whole generation, this, this is a global microwave is what we're creating. I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. I've been working on my health for a long time, really dialing in the diet, the lifestyle, the whole thing. And one of the toughest hurdles for me to get over has been my gut health digestion issues, heartburn, constipation. I don't want to get too graphic here, but it's like the missing link for me until I found Just Thrive Probiotic, that is. And that's why I'm so happy to share them with you as our sponsor today. These guys make a probiotic that actually works. It's got 100% survivability. It's vegan, non-GMO, soy-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, salt-free, nut-free, gluten-free, crappy-free. It's awesome. It's clinically proven for leaky gut, and they have nine other ongoing human clinical trials. It's a really powerful way to support your immune system and your brain because your brain depends on the health of your gut and the neurotransmitters that your gut produces. So if you want to get rid of that uncomfortable bloating, embarrassing gas, leaky gut, all those issues that so many of us suffer from, you definitely want to get over to thriveprobiotic.com forward slash loop. That's thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. Of course, we've got a hookup for you. If you use the code Luke15, you're going to save 15% off your entire order. That's thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. Check it out and have some happy digestion. One of the unfortunate facts about our modern world is that we are being completely inundated with EMFs and radiation on a daily basis. And two parts of your body that are most susceptible to the harmful effects of radiation are your reproductive organs and, of course, your skull and what's inside it, more importantly, your brain. This is why I love this new company called LAMS. You can find them at getlams.com. They make some very comfortable, high-quality, radiation-proof underwear. And I've replaced all of the underwear in my drawer with lambs. That's literally all I wear now. Now, there's only so many things you can do to control your environment, right? I mean, you're going to live near cell towers. You're going to have a Wi-Fi router. You're going to have a cell phone, computers. It's just the way it is. So there's a fine line between building some awareness about the dangers of EMFs, but also living your life and, you know, kind of relaxing about it. And that's a balance that I'm always trying to find myself and also a balance that I'm hoping, you know, that I successfully promote on the show. But I've got to say, when I found out about these lambs underwear, I was super stoked. First thing I wanted to know was, do they work? And found out, yes, they absolutely do block the radiation emitted by devices, etc. Also, are they comfortable? Check. Yes, 100%. Do they look weird and, you know, make you, you know, make someone not ever want to have sex with you? No, they actually look completely normal. They're super comfortable. So I'm stoked. Like I'm completely sold. And when they came on as a sponsor, I'm like, no brainer, dude. Like, I mean, I don't want, I can't do it for free because I've got to pay the bills. 
But I'm just so happy to support these guys. And again, this is something that I'm using in my personal life and I just absolutely believe in. You can check them out by doing the following. Ready? You seriously want to do this for yourself because it's so easy, the compliance. I mean, all you have to do is just swap out your underwear. It's like you don't have to shield your house or do anything weird, but you can shield the two most important parts of your body. Get ready. Drum roll, please. Go to getlambs.com. That's getlambs.com. You can enter the code the lifestylist there and save 10% off. That's getlambs.com. You can also follow them on social media to get updates on their women's line and other apparel that they have in the pipeline. On Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, they are all getlambs. Or you can find everything you need to know at getlambs.com. Again, the code is the lifestylist for 10% off. I should probably provide a trigger warning before diving into this episode number 276 with Dr. Rashid Buttar, Plandemic Power Play, Challenging the Media and Big Pharma Virus Narrative. Now, I encourage you to keep an open mind and remember that there are three sides to every story, your side, their side, and the truth. So use your gut, your heart, and your God-given discernment and intuition to come to your own conclusions about the crisis we now find ourselves immersed in. My goal here in this and every episode is to present information counter to the mainstream narrative that we're being force-fed. And it goes without saying that not all information coming from the mainstream is incorrect or uh, misleading, and not all people working within that paradigm have nefarious motives. However, you must admit that there are some obvious anomalies in the official story. And my goal here with Dr. Buttar is to get to the root of some of these strange coinkadinks and things that just do not add up. Here's our guest credentials for the record. Rashid Abutar trained in general surgery and emergency medicine and served as brigade surgeon and director of emergency medicine while serving in the U.S. Army. Dr. Buttar is board certified in clinical metal toxicity, preventative medicine, is board eligible in emergency medicine and has achieved fellowship status in three separate medical societies. He also serves as the medical director for the Centers for Advanced Medicine with clinics in California and North Carolina with planned expansion into more states. Now, in the past, Dr. Buttar was extensively involved in polypeptide research and development of innovative drug delivery mechanisms. Dr. Buttar's first book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, became a Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and Amazon bestseller, and is now an international bestselling book translated into multiple languages. For more information, visit centersforadvancedmedicine.com and drbuttar.com, spelled B-U-T-T-A-R. Now, you're going to hear him talk about a series of videos that he recently produced to evade the sensors, because information like this is being taken down at lightning speed, which is incredibly disconcerting and sad at the same time. Uh, But you can find his videos on his websites. And I think more and more, we're going to find alternatives to the tech platforms that allow us freedom of speech. And I'm really excited for those advancements. And he has been ahead of the curve there and decided to put out his information where it's protected on his own site and own servers. Now, before we get into this uh, mind-boggling episode with Dr. Buttar, I want to invite you to join me next week for Down to Earth, Regenerative Farming, the Soil of Soul and Conscious Commerce with Ryland Englehart. 
I've also got a couple of upcoming events, uh, live stream events, in fact, due to the fact that so many of my actual live in-person speaking events have been postponed. First one is this Monday, April 20th at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. It'll be a live stream session with WellSet and Healer Collective featuring myself and my girlfriend, Allison Charles. This is a free event. Next Friday, April 24th at 11.30 a.m. Pacific, I'll be live streaming with Frequency Mind along with Allison again. In both of these live stream events, we'll be guiding meditations and shamanic journeys and the like to help you raise your vibration and consciousness and deal with the current crisis. And you can get tickets to those events. Actually, the first one's free. Uh, The one on the 20th is free. The next one on the 24th is $11. And you can get tickets to those and links and all that at lukestory.com forward slash events. So I look forward to seeing you there virtually and remotely, as was the case in this conversation with Dr. Buttar. Now, here's just a taste of what we talk about in this very explosive conversation with Dr. Buttar. The draconian tech censorship we are now facing and how to beat it, whether or not this virus is a manufactured bioweapon, the patents on the virus and the vaccine, the flawed COVID-19 testing and widespread false positives, whether or not 5G or EMF radiation in general is related, and if so, how, doctors and nurses reporting people being admitted with what looks like altitude sickness, The reason for so many reports of COVID cases where 5G has not been activated and why that would be the case. The conflicting personal accounts from healthcare workers and citizens that report widespread cases and full hospitals while at the same time, many report empty hospitals and very few cases. How Bill Gates became the public face of the pandemic despite having no medical training or background and his many conflicts of interest. The idea that the end goal of this scenario is forced vaccinations for all and how we might avoid that. Fauci's shady background and the fact that he might be compromised. Then we pose the question, can we really trust the CDC and the WHO? And if not, why not? How the mayor of Los Angeles has recently announced incentives for people to snitch on their neighbors for going out. And that's just the beginning of what we talked about. It gets much deeper than that. And I have much respect for Dr. Buttar because his theories are backed up with relevant historical documentation. And he references a lot of that in this conversation, but even more so in the videos referenced in our interview that you can find on his site. So if you're someone who's listening to this episode and finding yourself to be skeptical, I highly encourage you to go down the rabbit hole with Dr. Buttar and, uh, And really look into where he's getting this information because a lot of it really checks out as shocking as it might be. Now, that said, we each have a right to express our opinions. And that's my job as the host of the show. I don't know that Dr. Buttar is right about everything, uh, but I believe he's an honest man. I believe that his motives are pure and that he's doing good work in the world, which is why I had him on the show. And uh, what I do know is that many points in the mainstream narrative just do not add up to me. And that's why I love having guests like this on the show, people that have the courage to challenge that. Now, that's not to say that they're all wrong and that the guest is always right, but I think it's important that we uh, become our own investigative journalists and start looking for deeper levels of truth. And with that, my friends, sit back, get ready to swallow a giant red pill to rock your reality with Dr. Rashid Buttar.
All right, man, here we go. We're about to jump off the deep end into a rabbit hole, Doc. You ready for this? <laughs> you know, I, was, I served with the 5th Special Forces Group in the 2nd Infantry Division and was attached to the 101st Air Assault for a while. And even though with being with some of these units, the, the motto that I remember the most was not the uh, De Presso Libre, which was part of the 5th Special Forces Group, but what... what the thing that I remember the most is from Boy Scouts, be prepared. So <laughs> I'm prepared, locked and loaded, ready to rock and roll. Right on, man. Well, you're putting out some great information. And in the midst of this, I mean, it's just, it's a crisis on so many levels. I don't even, I'm not even calling it a pandemic. It's just, there's so many different elements to uh, what we're facing right now. It has so much more to do with the physical illness component. It's now turned into this complete government overreach and it's very difficult to tell how much of that overreach is necessary, uh, how much of it's appropriate, how much is not. Um, and then when we get into the censorship part, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, uh, that's an overreach that I feel is completely uncalled for and inappropriate. So, uh, And you're someone who's been censored a lot. So I, I feel privileged to be able to have this conversation with you in an unadulterated way and really speak freely. And we're going to put it out as many places as we can. And uh, I'll use coded language in the titles and try to evade the uh, the censorship algorithms. But I'm going out fighting. I can't, you know, I can't live with myself if I don't at least have intelligent conversations and ask tough questions. So thank you for your bravery and willingness to do that. Um, you know, at whatever cost, because there there is a cost for many of us that are speaking out and just asking questions. So uh, no, for I appreciate you getting the word out too. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I got to do it, man. I, I mean, honestly, I would just, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I just rolled over and just said, oh, okay, whatever they tell me on the news, I'm going to listen to and just well, do, do that. Do you have kids? No, I don't. Okay. Well, I think that's probably the greatest motivation for me. In fact, nine to 99% of my motivation is that if we, I mean, you know, if we die, we die. You know, to me, you know, it's, it's one of those things that once you've been in the service. And once you've been to certain situations, and it's a, a movie called Savages that I saw that was a great line. And he said, you know, when you realize from the moment that you were born, you're in the slow process of dying, suddenly death isn't that big of a deal. And, and honestly, I feel that way. But I have children and I want to have my children be able to have grandchildren. And this is the future of not just my children, my grandchildren and you know, your potential grandchildren, children, I guess you have to have children before you can have grandchildren. But my point is that it's talking about the real risk to survival on this planet about what's, about, you know, what's going on right now. And there are these evolutionary processes that take place and they're key processes that in retrospect, you can see how critical that time was. But during the process, when you're in that process, you may not recognize it. I believe right now we're at one of those critical processes that future history will remember that if man had done what they should have done at this critical juncture, things could have been different. And so I see the future between you and me, Luke, I see the future as being either extremely, extremely bright, which is about 99% of where my body's feeling it, or it's going to be Mad Max time. And that's only maybe I can feel that less than 1%. But that's, one, that's my biggest incentive to get this information out. And the censorship aspect and all this, the, the sheer volume of how absurd this reaction has been, goes back to something I learned a long, long time ago. And that is that every time you deal with an obstacle and the greater the obstacle, it's more the universe testing your resolve 
at how committed you are to that next step. So there's that old story of the man that was climbing the mountain. He was a blind guy and he was climbing Mount Everest. I don't know if this is true or not. I don't think it's true. But he said he was at no cost would he give up. He would continue to climb if he, if he died. And he continues to climb, continues to climb. And then they basically have a weather issue warning. And they say, he's not gonna, you know, you're not going to be able to make it. And long story short, he gets right to the brink, but he doesn't know how much farther he has to go. And he just basically at the last minute stops. And he says, because he thinks he's going to die. And he marks the place and then retreats. Well, after the weather cleared, they sent a chopper up there and they found that he was only like 15 feet away from the crest. And had he not quit. So my belief is that the only way you can ever fail in life is if you quit. If you, my kids and I have talked about this, my sons and I have talked about this. Well, dad, what if you're bleeding and you're dying and you don't hit your target, but you still go there? Then haven't you failed because you didn't hit the target? And in my opinion, no, you didn't fail because you didn't quit. The only way you can ever fail is quit. So as long as we don't quit and we continue to strive forward and we don't let these bastards, you know, oppress Mankind, because that's really what they're doing. That this is just a false flag. I mean, we'll, we'll get into that. But as long as we never quit and we see what the target is, the target is a more evolved society, a more, uh, a, a better way of us connecting and understanding that no matter what we think or believe, there's been constant division: Muslim against Jew, Christian against Muslim, black against white, you know, man against woman, old against young. You know, Democrat against Republican. It's a divisiveness. That's what they're creating, this divisiveness. And it's always been there because if you divide and conquer, then you can control people, right? And that's really what it comes down to. Now, this is actually a unifying event. If you think about it, from a global standpoint, it's unifying us. And that's, that's actually something that the powers that be that are orchestrating this may not have actually expected. And, and I think that that's another positive. Well, you know, I, that's a great way to look at it. And I, I so agree with you because... There's always the the law of duality and law of opposites, right? So as dark as some of these seemingly possessed humans are that are these control freaks that are running the planet, the 1%, it's like as dark as that energy is, and who knows what the ultimate agenda truly is other than the people perpetrating the agenda. But uh, as dark as that is, it, it really forces more and more people to wake up. And I've observed this throughout my adult life, starting with 9-11. And when that happened, uh, it wasn't obvious to me at first that there were anomalies in the official story. And there were things that just didn't add up. I just, I, I, would, I remember when it happened, I was watching the news. My girlfriend ran in the room and got me. I came out, oh my God, I can't believe this. And then watched the, the news reports after that and uh, just took it for granted that the story being reported was in fact what had transpired. Uh, shortly after that, within a few months, a friend of mine sent me some YouTube video, and it was it was just about the Pentagon. And the video said essentially, "Hey, do you remember when in, in you know on the event of nine eleven, the plane hit the Pentagon?" And I'm thinking, "Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I mean, it was right on the news. I, I saw the whole thing." And then it said, "Did you really see the plane?" And so on, right? And then you come to find there's no plane there. There's there's no footage of a plane. There's no parts of a plane. Just it didn't happen. Now I don't know what did happen. Well, but that was the break in the matrix for me. And then so ensues all of these independent documentaries that are, yeah. that are questioning not only that event, but other events, as you mentioned, false flag events and such throughout history. Mm-hmm. And that's like they went too far to where the veil was lifted and too many people became awakened. And man, this is like that times a freaking thousand because now people that were relatively ignorant of the media in general and didn't even pay that much attention 
because their life's been so disrupted by this, are now going, huh, something about this doesn't add up just on a gut level. Even people that aren't medically informed, politically informed, etc. I mean, most people I talk to are afraid and concerned, but they also don't trust the story that we're being told. And, and that is the other side of that darkness that's the awakening that you speak of, is that people are sort of being forced out of their slumber and having to question some of their preconceived ideas or some of the narratives that are being fed to us by the, the powers that be. So look, can I can I warm us up then a little bit with the nine yeah. eleven thing? Because I, I don't normally talk about nine eleven, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's actually interesting because it was very similar for me. I was married at the time, so I was watching it also, you know, live and and my now ex wife had run in the room and same same thing that you were kind of talking about. And then my lab partner, he called me and he's prior military too. He's about twenty two years my senior. And uh, I was watching this and he says, very calmly, he says, well, it's not the first time, this wouldn't be the first time that a nation has fired on its own people. And I said, what? I said, what the hell are you talking about, Dean? And he said, you wait. And I'm like, man, you're crazy. What? I don't know what you're talking about. Now, I make a call to one of my buddies that, was, that served with me in fifth group. And fifth group covers... Northern Africa and the Middle East, okay? And didn't get a call back. I called another one of my friends, didn't get a call back. I didn't get a call back for another two weeks because basically some of these units that I had served with, they were on ground within Afghanistan within 24 hours of the second tower hitting the ground. So when they called me back, they were coming back because you know these are they go in, they set everything up, and then the, then the troops come in. Okay, so at this point, I'm trying to not figure out what's going on. And there, some people say it's an oxymoron when you talk about military intelligence. But if you, <laughs> if you think about this, and I, I want you to really understand this concept because so many people don't understand this concept. When this whole thing happened with 9-11, there were... And you have to understand the background of this. Do you know what a SAC unit is? No, I don't. SAC unit, it stands for Strategic Air Command. It's an acronym for the Air Force that they use called Strategic Air Command. And SAC units are positioned all over the continental United States to cover airspace so that if, for God forbid, if there was ever an invasion of the U.S., they can, what they, they call scramblers, they can scramble one of their, one of the fighters, whatever, whatever plane type it is, but they call them scramblers, and they can basically intercept each other from each strategic air command within 60 seconds they will intercept. So you scramble wow. one S, one from one place to, to another SAC there. They call strategic air commands because they're positioned so that these interceptors can scramble and intercept within 60 seconds. There is no place over the continent of the United States that cannot be intercepted from the time an alert goes out within 60 seconds. Our airspace is covered. Okay. This is, this is a standard military component in the Air Force. Now you're telling me that they lost a jet for 27, 22 minutes and couldn't, didn't know where that the location of that jet was after the first and second towers went down. <laughs> it's ludicrous, okay? Um, and when uh, this whole thing went off, I, I was in active duty at that time. I got out in 1996, okay? When this thing happened, there were alerts everywhere. Stand down, this is only a drill. I mean, people were getting ready to move. Stand down, this is only a drill, okay? I have personal knowledge of a close, close friend of mine that said, man, we, everything was moving. We were told it was a drill, so everybody stood down. Now, last thing I'm going to say, and I will say the name of this person because he's already told me, sir, I don't give a crap. You can say my name all you want. First Sergeant Rafael Medina, who served with me in Korea. All right. 
Why did we go into the Gulf War? What was the reason that we went to the Gulf War? Do you remember the original Gulf War? No, I don't. It, it was because the Kuwaiti airfields, uh, Kuwaiti oil fields were being set on fire by the Iraqis. So we went in there to protect the Kuwaiti air, uh, oil fields and, of course, for our own self-interest. Now, here's the problem with that. First Sergeant Rafael Medina, with his 11 soldiers, they were assigned six dune buggies. And he told me in 1993, while we were sitting in Korea one night, he said, sir, I don't know about all the oil fires, but I can tell you that over 300 of them, me and my team set those damn fires. Wow. He was part of, of the, uh, I can't remember, 1st Ranger Battalion or something. Anyway, and I can go on and on with this. You know, I can tell you that I've had to take off my U.S. flag off my uniform, take off my dog tags, because God forbid, if unforeseen circumstances were to occur, U.S. forces could not be acknowledged in those areas. And you know, you're young and you're, patriotic and you're doing this for God and country and Bali. Then later on, you start thinking to yourself, wait a second, if I'm doing it for God and country, then why do I have to take my freaking flag off my uniform? Why do I have to take my dog tags off? Right? So there's a lot of stuff that we're told to do that we do and, and young soldiers do it. And then we find out later on, I had a conversation with, with uh, Ron Paul at an Acapulco um, about two months ago. I was at a conference and he was a keynote there. And you know, Ron Paul says it so beautifully. He says that our foreign policy is so screwed up. And I know we're not here talking about foreign policy, but we're the only nation that takes a crap on the front yard of 736 some bases all over the world and other people's in other, in other countries. And then they wonder why do they hate Americans so much? And then their politicians say they hate Americans because we love freedom and they don't. Wait a second. You really think people don't love freedom? They all love freedom. That's why they hate Americans because we're Im imposing and infringing on their land, we're, we're, you know, we've got bases there to provide our own self-interest. And, and this comes back right to what we're, what we're going to be talking about. There's a reason. I'll let you ask me. I'll shut up and let you ask me. Because there's a reason that New York is the greatest, that, that has killed more people, or there's more people that have died of COVID-19, supposedly. We'll talk about that for, for in New York than everywhere else in the world. They just announced that today, that New York has been hardest hit than all the other places in the world. Well, there's... There's always a reason for that. And we'll talk about that if you, if you choose to engage into that conversation. <laughs> of course I will. Okay, we're going we're gonna to bookmark that because down the line, some of the questioning was around <clears throat> these hotspots that we're, that we're seeing and, and, and why and why are they some spots relatively untouched, et cetera, which is just one little sliver of the mystery of this thing. Um, well, we've got a little bit of your background there, um, doctor, in terms of your military Give us a bit about your your medical professional background and kind of how how you got your start, what kind of work you do. It seems like you're in kind of alignment with a lot of the other guests we've had on on more of the integrative functional medicine side, but I don't know that much about your your practice and and points of view other than that. What's you know, where do you come from before this thing all happened and you started speaking out? Well, my formal training was in general surgery and I trained at Brook Army Medical Center at the Institute of Surgical Research. And um, I've been involved with a lot of acute care medicine for over 20 years, uh, uh, even when I moved into integrative medicine, which was in 1996 is when I got out of the army and actually on a wing and a prayer opened up, subleased another doctor's office that had a small little space. Uh, even then, I continued uh, teaching advanced trauma life support to the American College of Surgeons and advanced cardiac life support to the American College of Cardiology. These are all courses that are taught to doctors how to deal with trauma patients, how to deal with heart attack patients that are coming to an emergency setting. 
or a pediatric advanced life support, which is also through the American College of Pediatrics and American College of Cardiology. So these are all penetrating trauma, blunt trauma, acute cardiac events, that type of stuff. So a lot of acute care medicine, a lot of intensive care, uh, post-operative surgical intensive care training. This is part of general surgery. And so that's what I, that's where I come from. Um, and as I basically evolved in my education, I just realized that there's so many things that we do that aren't just, they don't make any sense. You know, we see a cancer, we cut it out and, you know, you'd see it in your hand, you throw it in the ground, you stomp on it, you spit on it, you kick it down the, down underneath the table. It's gone. It's done. It's over. It's finished. You know, and now this person's going to be better. And six months later, it recurs. And you start thinking, well, it, it was created for some reason. It came into being because of some factor. And when you cut it out and you think it's gone, you know, the first superficial thought is, well, it's gone. Well, a little bit more introspection into that, you start thinking, wait a second, whatever created it isn't gone. Yeah, you took out the cancer, but what was that cancer before it was, became a cancer? It was a normal, healthy cell. And so whatever component that created that normal cell to get into an abnormal state and increase the apoptotic, the, the, basically the uh, uncontrolled cellular prolifer proliferation and the suppression of apoptosis and all these other definitions of cancer, if you want to call them, them, call them that, something happened. And when you cut out a cancer and you throw it away, you didn't negate that process. You didn't unravel that process. You didn't undo that process. And that's where the problem lies. We have to start to understand what created that cascade. And so my evolution personally was, we're not doing the right things. And so I went down a different path and you know, the rest is history. I, we have patients from 93 countries. I've never really thought about social media up until about a year, year and a half ago, two years ago. Uh, went through a, kind of a tough divorce and uh, which created some problems that were created from the divorce, which affected my, my business aspect. And we were talking about expanding anyway, but it was interesting that I've never, ever, ever even thought about any kind of marketing. We've never advertised. And we have patients from 93 countries and then started looking at social media because of you know this just change in my life circumstance. And um, it's been kind of crazy. Just boom, it just took off like that. And letting people know the truth. It's amazing how people resonate with the truth. When people ask me, the medical board, I've fought them every year, basically since 1999 for 21 years. And uh, I was accused in 2005 to 2010 for taking advantage of terminally ill patients doing treatments that weren't effective. And I'll just tell you real quick this story because I did, I, Bruce Lipton asked me about this story when I first met him and I came on stage and talked for a couple of minutes. He ended up giving me a kiss on stage and Bruce and I have become really good friends since then. But what's interesting is that the medical board brought me up on these ethical charges we had 43 stage four cancer patients ready to testify. And I remember stage four is terminal. And uh, they basically said, no, at first we went to superior court and then they granted us to have five witnesses that we could use, five stage four cancer patients that had gone through our treatment. Uh, all Stage four is considered terminal. There's nothing left. All five had been referred to hospice, which means that, you know, just to transition them to the next phase, which is death. Uh, all five had stage four Four out of five had already failed chemo and radiation. One refused to take chemo and radiation. All five were told to get their affairs in order, and all five were told that there was nothing left for them. And at the time of testimony, three of those patients were three and a half years out 
from our treatment. One was five years out from our treatment and one was eight years out from our treatment. One was actually a doctor himself, an internal medicine doctor, and one was an oncological nurse. So out of the 43 people that we had ready to testify, they only allowed five. I picked a doctor, a nurse, and three lay people. And they were all three and a half years or more out from their disease, from, from, from the, our treatment of their disease. And the medical board, after 14 hours of testimony, had a one-word response. And that one word was, get this, irrelevant. It was irrelevant that they brought me up on ethical charges doing a treatment that didn't work and now have proof, scientific proof. I mean, they, they, I, I talked about lymphocyte subpopulations and natural killer cell counts and apoptosis and cell cycles. And the most absurd comment from the president of the medical board was like, what relevance does that have to your treatments in cancer? I'm like, what relevance does the immune system have to? Here's before and here's after. And you just asked me what the relevance is. Maybe if you idiots started looking at what the relevance of the immune system was in cancer, maybe we'd actually be able to see some success in the treatment of cancer. So anyway, that's my background. I'm very cynical on my own profession. Uh, I think it's in public. I don't tell people I'm a doctor. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I've actually used when people sometimes have asked me, what do you do? And I'll say, I'm a drug dealer. Nobody bats an eye, you know, that, you know, technically I don't prescribe anymore, but when I used to prescribe, if I say I'm a drug dealer, you know, technically that's accurate and people don't bat an eye. If I say I'm a doctor, nobody believes me. I'm a doctor. So I don't even talk about it anymore. <laughs> I'm probably a little bit too combative for, for the, for the thought process that people have of doctors, but it's only because I just see so much incompetence in my, in my field. And I've gotten all these accolades and I've had the blessing and privilege of hearing a lot of people tell me well over 17, 1800 people now in my lifetime tell me that I've saved their life. And first of all, God's the only healer, the creator's the only healer and all credit belongs to him. But, um, you know, I always tell people that it's, you know, I get all these accolades, but it's, it's not really that I'm such a good doctor. It's that I'm in a field surrounded by such level of incompetence. I, you know, if you just do your job, you just look like a superhero and that's what it comes down to. That's hilarious. Very, very well said. Yeah, not not hard to stand out. And I, I think that's true of so many brilliant doctors that I've interviewed and, and Bruce Lipton and people, uh, Joe Dispenza, people even on, you know, working in more of the quantum realm and dealing with the psychology of healing and, and the, you know, kind of nonlinear approach to it. Uh, all of them, I think, stand out mm -hmm. so much because of that very fact that there is um, such a broken system and and people unknowingly are indoctrinated, no pun intended, into that system because they want to help. And so, uh, you know, I, I always like to give all medical professionals props because, hey, at least they're they're trying. But I think when you when you go through the standard system and you don't think critically and ask questions, and I know there's so much pressure on doctors to pay their their uh, med school loans and they got to open up a practice and they have to put in all these hours and there's not really time to further develop their knowledge base and study and look for alternatives. They just kind of, they seem to get caught in a rut. And so I think... Yeah, but I think that, look, and I appreciate what you're saying, but I've, I've been told that I need to be more, I need to be kinder, more compassionate to doctors. But I'll tell you, I, I understand what you're saying and you're 100% right about all those things, but that's still no justification. Like if you make a mistake on one of your podcasts, okay, you know, you take it back or account makes a mistake and you know, somebody pays some extra taxes or a lawyer makes a mistake, somebody goes to jail, okay, you know, that's not a good thing. But, you know, when my profession makes a mistake, we count our mistakes in body bags, right? And they love, when you start having statistics like that, the third leading cause of death uh, in, in the United States is iatrogenic causes. You've got heart disease and cancer and then iatrogenic causes and fourth neurodegenerative disease. And you start looking at these statistics and people go, oh my God, yeah, iatrogenic. But people don't even know what iatrogenic means because we have our own language to define our own incompetence. 
You know, and hydrogenic <laughs> death is doctor-induced death. And then the people that defend it. This is, by the way, John Hopkins' data that was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, what, 15 years ago, in 2004, 2005 timeframe. And when, and when the defense comes out that, no, we're not the third, you know, doctors and medicine are not the third leading cause of death, you know, okay, what is it? And what do you, it's only the fifth leading cause of death. That's a defense that it's only the fifth leading cause of death? I mean, the people that are supposed to be keeping you alive, that's the fifth right. leading cause of death. And when I say atrogenic, that means, you know, prescription drug usage and all this other stuff. I mean, there've been three times in history where doctors have gone on strike. One was in Israel, one was in California, and I don't remember where the third one was. But every time doctors went on strike, the death, rose, the death rate decreased. And when they came back, it rose back up. I mean, it's, it's wow. just ludicrous. It's, 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 it's just absurd. It is absurd. Speaking of absurd, uh, what was the first indication you had, the first clue when we started seeing news reports of this uh, virus emerging from from China? Uh, what was the first thing that struck you as, huh, this isn't adding up already? Was it early on or was it as, as the, uh, the thing progressed for a while? What was the first kind of thing that started you asking questions about that? Well, that's actually a really interesting question. I, I actually put a post out because I had some patients that were asking me questions and they were, they were privately you know, sending me an email or, or people that I've, that I've taken care of over two decades now. So we, have, we had just gone through a retrospective analysis in our clinic, in the North Carolina clinic, and we we're in the process of expanding. So we have um, one in the West Coast that's opening up soon. And we had gone through our data and we have 14 stage four cancer patients that are now 15 years out from their treatment that, that have been told that they were going to die and they're 15 years out. And a couple of those people, two of those people specifically had sent me a message and just basically said, what should we do? Is there something we need to worry about? And I was like, yes, it's, you know, it doesn't make any difference, whatever it is, you know, we, we've got it covered. And even my own youngest son was worried. And I said, honey, it's, it's, it's going to be fine. You know, you have nothing to worry about. And he goes, yeah, dad, but they're saying this and that. And I said, boo, listen, you know, this is what I do. This is what your dad does. There's nothing to worry about. We got it covered. So he and I were talking and then with these messages that were coming in. So I just put an Instagram post out. I said, if anybody wants to know, let me know and I'll do a video on it. It was just like that. And to me, honestly, it, it, I didn't, didn't really make any difference. It's another, you know, it's another Zika. It's a uh, H1N1. I put out a video on H1N1. 10 years ago that basically exposed a lot of the truth. And some people, there was one guy, um, he basically said that because of me, that one video, David Wilcock, I think his name is, said that because of me, a billion people were saved because of that video. Now, I, I didn't understand what he was talking about, but the video basically had shown how H1N1 is the Eurasian strain and the America strain come together. And there's no way that in, nat in nature that can come together. And that happened to be put out by an Australian virologist who was the guy who developed Tamiflu. And then of course, he put the video out. I happened to see that screen captured it and boom, it's gone. And then there was a couple other things like that. And I put this video basically together to talk about H1. I exposed the, that it was a, there was a patent filed on H1N1 10 months before the first case was ever reported. And the uh, a patent was filed, I believe it was by Baxter in Austria. So I was asking, how the hell do you file a patent on a virus? Not the treatment, but the, the virus itself. And then things like that started coming out. Uh, I believe it was Martin Luther King Hospital in Los Angeles had a massive 64 
people that died at one point in like in a very quick time frame. They were all died, confirmed H1N1. And Los Angeles Times was asking in an uproar, why isn't the world talking about this? You know, why isn't the media talking about these 64 people died in one hospital from H1N1 confirmed, blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly the story went dead. Well, I happen to have a friend of mine that worked in the hospital. And he told me, he said, all 64 people were confirmed to have gotten the H1N1 vaccine. So my message was, guys, the H1N1 vaccine is not the problem, but I mean, sorry, H1N1 isn't the problem. You take the vaccine, now you're going to set yourself up. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be a precursor to something else coming down the pipeline. And then finally, of course, you know, H1N1, if you remember the predictions that Obama made, 60 million Americans were going to die. 20% of the U.S. population was going to die. I remember traveling through the airport at the time and people were literally laughing, saying, yeah, whatever. There was mass protests in Germany and in, um, I believe, in the U.K., in the United States, the Washington State Nursing Association and New York State Nursing Association went all the way. Either they got to the Supreme Court or they were going to the Supreme Court to contest the unconstitutionality of being forced to take a vaccine that hadn't been supported and hadn't been studied enough yet to be introduced into the public. And so basically the reason that H1N1 wasn't this catastrophic epidemic that they said there was going to be was because people in mass refused to take the vaccine. And that's why. Otherwise, a lot more people would have died. Well, what happens fast forward now, you know, 10 years later, when I was asked, and this is a long, I mean, you asked me a question. I'm already off on a tangent. I'm known to be <laughs> okay. the king of tangents. No, this is but, all this is all great uh, background and 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 foreshadowing for where this is going to go. So it, it makes perfect sense. Thank you. No, absolutely. So basically, what happened when in 2020, when these when the people had asked me about this, uh, when a couple of people asked me about it, this coronavirus thing, and I said, "Don't worry about it," and then I put out on Instagram, "If you want me to do a video, I'll do a video." and Boom, I got hit the like seven, eight hundred requests within, you know, a couple of hours. So I said, okay, I'll do a video on it, you know. So, okay, well, I better, I better just make sure I know a little bit about the coronavirus, you know, how it's because it's gonna be no different than all the rest of the stuff. And that's when basically opened up. I just want to learn a little bit more about coronavirus. And I mean, coronavirus has been around since 1968. On part five of our video that I released, I show all the studies and it's it, I'm talking for 45 seconds as I'm scrolling down as fast as I can. And you can see all the studies there. And anybody wants a Dr. Sherry Tenpenny shared that with me. It, it's so much research that's been done on coronavirus. But the more I delved into it and the more I learned about it, the more I realized we should be, this should be like the subject of Saturday Night Live. Okay. It is such an absurd thing to be worried about. And all the deaths that are occurring from coronavirus, look, the facts are the facts. They have first changed the requirement on death certificates of what is constitute what constitutes a COVID nineteen death. So now, if anybody dies of any kind of respiratory condition, COVID nineteen first, then the respiratory condition second. Second thing, they're altering death certificates. I showed this. I documented this in part five video, the one that you know, the, all these videos that got censored. But now more and more doctors are coming out. I think Michigan State Senator. The doctor just said that, you know, exposed us just yesterday, day before yesterday. A couple of doctors now that are talking about the altering of the death certificates, meaning nursing staff, doctors go in, they, they do their regular shift, they sign up on the death certificate, come in the next day. The death certificates have been altered. Okay. Then they start saying all this testing, all these people are testing positive. Well, now don't even go get the testing. Just assume that you have coronavirus because they can't justify it. So they're altering the cause of death. They're changing the, the lab criteria. And then look, look at PCR testing, first of all, right? PCR testing, the RT-PCR, it stands for real-time polymerase chain reaction testing. 
the guy who developed this in 19, in the 1980s, his name is Mullis. He even said you cannot use PCR testing for viruses. You can only do it for a, a genomic sequence that has been identified. These viruses are just, you know, RNA, DNA fragments. So you can't even use it for that. And then the, I actually, the big thing for me was on that particular part five, I showed a study that shows that anybody that's gotten the trivalent flu shot is testing positive for COVID-19, even though no exposure to it. So the stuff that they've been introducing into the human body, you really want to know what the real question should be? Show me the cause of death of these people. First of all, there are already doctors out there saying, well, we haven't even seen a COVID-19 virus yet, but we know it's a synthetic virus. I already exposed that in part three, okay? Corrupted science. It was developed in North Carolina, uh, or the, the technology was developed in North Carolina, the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Dr. Wu, who's a main person from Wuhan, was studying in North Carolina. I, I won't talk about all the details. I, I guess you've already seen the videos. I assume you've already seen them, right? I've seen number five, but not number three. But I'm okay. somewhat familiar with this uh, <laughs> this, okay. this process. But keep so going. Then, this is all good stuff. So I exposed and, and all take, that. And take your time. This is like this is really important stuff for people to know because... As I'm asking questions and not, of course, knowing the answers, I, I don't have a medical background. I mean, I'm just, I'm just watching the media and watching everything that's going on. And my reaction is, huh, this doesn't seem true. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what is true. So I think people are very curious to understand some of the, the background and the chimera, you know, changes to the virus and all these kind of things. I mean, for people that aren't scientific or aren't educated around this, I think it's very confusing. So I, I'm happy and I welcome the explanation. Well, chimeric process is essentially a mutation process. Okay. It's when we go in, take genetic components, put them together with justice. So that's all been established. It's in the nature magazine, all the studies that were published on this. I show the studies. And even then I was attacked, you know, well, there's no scientific evidence. I'm like, okay, that obviously that person didn't watch the video. You said there's no scientific evidence that I'm showing one of the most premier journals, nature magazine. And even the very first paragraph, now that they've got an editor's note in there, if you remember that I said that person, well, you didn't see that video, but you may want to see that because I basically said, whoever wrote this editor's note on the top, this was published in 2015. Now there's a March 2020 editor's note on the top. And it says, we are aware that this is being uh, shown, this study is being used to justify the conspiracy theories. However, there is no scientific basis, blah, blah, blah. And then you read the first paragraph. And in the, the first paragraph of the study, there's opposition to doing this chimeric process to, to take the, basically what they did was they took a coronavirus, they took one that's called SHC014 strain, a wild type strain with the surface antigen, and they took the backbone from the coronavirus that was that started SARS. So they took the backbone and the surface antigen, combined them together into, into a synthetic new virus, and then infused portions of HIV and MERS into this thing to make it even more virulent. So when I was attacked, I was attacked, well, you, you know, you're just making all this, these claims, you haven't shown anything. Well, I did show everything, but the one study I couldn't find was an HIV study. I went, they were, they're pulling the studies off. That's an amazing thing. Luckily, a very well-connected uh, patient of mine that lives in Hong Kong sent it to me. I was like, how did you get this? And he goes, don't worry about it. You wanted it, here it is. So I've got that and I've actually put that on, on um, part five. And you can see it's stamped across it. Now it says withdrawn, but the study was already published and it's a good study. So my point is all the stuff was substantiated. Now, coming back to the real question we should be asking, the people that died of COVID-19 I want to know how many of those people, because they, the, they have all the metrics, they have all the history of these people, right? We, they know everything about us. I want to know how many of those people have had an adult vaccination in the last 10 years. And I would bet you $10 million, $100 million, I would bet you Bill Gates' fortune 
that there is, and there's a reason I'm betting his fortune. There's a reason. <laughs> we'll get to that. that yeah. That, I would bet you that 99.9% of those people that have died of the COVID-19 have had these vaccines, a combination of them. And the 0.1% that haven't, it's only because of data error that they didn't record it, that they had those things. There's definitely a direct correlation with what's been set up and what's happening now. When I say what's been set up, the mandation of vaccines or the fear-mongering, if you're an adult over 70 years old and you have uh, concern that you could get shingles, you know, herpes zoster, very painful, take your, uh, your zoster shot now or the adult flu shot or this or that. I mean, my own father, against my, my advice, my mom had him take the flu shot. I was like, don't take, you know, my dad will do whatever my mom says, but he ended up having a stroke within like two months after that, three months after that. And there's so many people that can give you this kind of history. Italy already came out and said that 99% of their people that so supposedly died of COVID-19 had major underlying chronic disease. There's reports that I showed in, in three and I think in four and five, and maybe it was in, in part five. If you saw part five, maybe you can help me because they're getting all mixed up now, where I talk about the ERs, the, the doctors from the emergency rooms are t- talking about the uh, how slow their ERs are or the media reporting that such and such person. In fact, where I did my training at Bamsey at Brook Army Medical Center, they said the first COVID death you know, reported in San Antonio, Texas. And then the family came out and said, you guys are such liars. <laughs> my, fam- my, my grandmother did not die from COVID-19. She died of aspiration pneumonia and she had Alzheimer's and she was in a, ho- in a hospice setting. So, I mean, th- there's so much misinformation. Uh, Candace Owens just asked two days ago for not only the resignation of the governor from Connecticut, but his criminal prosecution because he said... This child that died, a baby that died of COVID-19, and then came to find out the child died of suffocation. The caretaker admitted it, and they, but they're blaming it because they can't justify this pandemic. So they're taking any cause of death. I don't know whether you saw that thing on Instagram with showed a guy jumping out of a plane, yeah. parachute, <laughs> you know, died of COVID-19. And that's sh- literally what's happening. They're I shared that meme yesterday. Yeah. You know, it's anything. You can trip and fall and bust your head on a, on a concrete block. You died of COVID-19. And they are trying to increase they're trying to increase the number of deaths COVID-19 to justify this. They're trying to suppress the information from coming out. Meanwhile, there's other very subversive things that are going on that I'm getting reports from people, people personally that I know and people that I don't know through social media. What are these things that they're putting up on top of schools? There's a whole orchestration going around of what is happening to us. We are basically frogs being cooked in warm water and we haven't, you know, we need to be more aware so we can jump out of this hot water and know that we're being cooked because that's literally what's happening right now. And that's what my agenda is. My agenda is for people to ask the right question and to, and you know, if, if you're feeling like something's wrong, there's a reason for it. The rest of the planet is feeling that there's something wrong. And it's not COVID-19. Okay. It's just not COVID-19. What's going to happen downstream. And I think this is a reason that these videos became viral is because I didn't start off the first three videos by giving my opinions. And I'm still going to try to refrain from giving my opinions on part six and parts seven, but you know, you probably saw in part five, I was getting a little sarcastic because once you get to a certain point, it's hard to say detached. But the first couple of videos, I simply asked a question and I said, I'm not going to give you the answer. I don't want to put thoughts in your mind. I don't want to put words in your mouth. All I want to do is I want to present you the information that I have found and then let you make up the de- make your decision. You be the judge, you be the jury, you decide what's true and what's not true. And that's it. And, you know, I think that anybody with any Any type of judicious attempt at looking at the data 
with any uh, logic that's applied to this is going to come to the same conclusion. Anybody of reasonable intellect that doesn't have a suspect agenda, that doesn't have uh, uh, some type of uh, hidden motivation to oppress this, meaning that you know some of the people that are that have attacked me, and I'm sure they've attacked you and attacked other people. A lot of these people are trolls. They're they're people that they're coming out and they they have to be paid. To me, I don't understand, and maybe you can answer this since you know about social media a lot better than I do. Why would you, if you don't believe in something or don't agree with somebody, why would you be on their site attacking that person and engaging with their subscribers? I don't have to do anything because you know people that are following me, they they pounce on. In fact, one of these guys that was attacking me had like twenty people attack them back, and basically, you know, like pouncing it so hard. And I'm just reading this chain like a couple of days later, and basically the guy <laughs> accused these followers and me that this is nothing more than a cult. You people are just cultists, right? I'm like a cult, you know, because they defended me. And it was obvious the guy hadn't watched the videos because he's saying there's no scientific evidence provided. I'm like, okay, so when you show the studies, that's not science. I don't think there's a single piece of uh, video that's come out or anybody that's come out against what's happening right now that's provided as much science as I have. I mean, people have talked and that's great, but I mean, I'm showing study after study after study. This trivalent flu shot study that was done in cats in 2017, why aren't they talking about that? I mean, it's, it shows clearly that there's no way that, first of all, COVID-19 isn't going to have a vaccine possible because the way it was made, it's not going to have a vaccine possible, right? That's the first thing. Second, it's, it's like worrying about, it's like worrying about a bowl of water and you're standing in the middle of a tsunami. Now, if, I've had people say, Dr. Patar, you've said it's man-made. It's got the MERS component, HIV component. It's you know mutated. It's resistant. It's highly virulent. And then you're saying, don't worry about it. Here's why you don't need to worry about it. It's like somebody's trying to develop a zero to 60 car and everything's you know four seconds, four and a half seconds, three seconds. Now they've broken the two-second barrier. And everybody's like, we're going to break this. You know, It's going to be even more dangerous. It's going to be even faster. This is like zero to 60 in 0.1 seconds. It's that bad. But there's no staying power. It's like a one song wonder. It's, it's you know, I, I equated it on one of the videos to a premature ejaculation. This is like the worst case of premature ejaculation. It's not going to hurt anybody with an intact immune system. And if it, they do have an intact immune system, I'm sorry, if they have a compromised immune system, then it only has a potential for it. I believe that COVID-19 in itself has absolutely virtually no power whatsoever. But when in combination with somebody who's had these precursor vaccines, when it's put into the right Radio frequency, radio frequency electromagnetic field that's generating what this contamination of these electromagnetic fields or whatever the case is, when their systems have been already suppressed, the immune systems are already low, if they're nutritionally deficient, it's going to be devastating. And this is what brings it back to what's happening in New York and why it's affecting some of these people. The misinformation, the propaganda, and on top of it, the censorship to prevent people from knowing the truth that is the truth. That's 99.9% of the freaking danger. And I don't even know what the other 1.1% is because it's not the COVID-19. It's so absurd, Luke. And what bothers me, this is amusing. Okay, To me, it's kind of like watching Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse. It's that, that's more real than what's happening right now. What's bothering me is that the ease of which they shut down the economy. How effortless it was. And, you know, if you want to start talking about a political agenda, and I don't care whether a person's Democrat or Republican, it's, it certainly seems like they could have been a reason that 
impeachment failed and then they went to this portion, whether whether it's that or not, and what's I got to do with the rest of the world? Well, I don't think I don't think that this was necessarily a pre-planned out process. I think that there was an accident that happened in Wuhan, and then there were opportunistic uh, opportunists that saw this as an opportunity for them to jump on the bandwagon, and now they're saying that uh, the U.S. has been hardest than anybody else, and and New York is the epicenter of all this. You know, if really it was China. If it really was, then why are you saying that that virus jumped from Wuhan all the way to New York City and bypassed Beijing and Shanghai? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And so that's just all <laughs> that's propaganda BS. You know what I'm saying? That's a really good point. So, and, and yeah. people say, well, in, in part four, I want you to watch part four because part four is very key. It's about 5G and immunity. So people keep on saying, well, you know, that's not true, Dr. Pitar, because if that was true, then, you know, these other countries that didn't have it. People, open up your freaking minds. Open up your eyes. Just read. I mean, I show Iran, I show Italy, and I show Wuhan. Those three areas. All three of those theories had 5G launched, okay? People saying, well, Spain has had a big problem, but Spain didn't have 5G. Yes, they do. They launched it out. And, and you, can, you can even, you know, you can spend these hours and hours of deep research, you know, by typing it in Google and boom, it pops up and you can see the evidence right there in front of you. I mean, the blatant, there's, there's certain things that they have suppressed, but they're, they haven't been smart enough to suppress the ability to research some of this stuff. And now that's one reason they're seeing people going in and researching and they're taking things off the websites. You know, Google's not starting to censor things too. But Italy, as far back as September of 2018, and I show the different websites that talked about this, how they were rolling out, even with all the sanctions against Iran, Iran wanted to be at the forefront of the 5G rollout. Italy was vying for number one spot in the world for 5G rollout. In September of 2018, October of 2018, there are different websites that were talking about this. I mean, it's not just one. I showed three for each country. And of course, Wuhan was announced in 2018. So Iran, Italy, and Wuhan, as far back as 2018, were talking about how they were going to be at the forefront of this rollout. Now, let's go back to Wuhan number one, the, the first video that I did, which is facts versus fiction. You've got Three things that are going to make a person susceptible to this, okay? First, it's toxicology. CDC always sends out two teams, infectious disease and toxicology teams when they try to figure out what causes of death were. The glorification always goes to the infectious disease team. Nobody gives the glorification to the toxicology team. Well, there's a reason for it. There's a political reason for that. If you can blame a pandemic or a disaster or whatever on a naturally occurring thing like a bacteria virus, we call them affectionately the virus hunters, the bacteria hunters, then it's natural and nobody can be blamed. But if you blame it on a toxin, like say DDT, right? Or dioxin, you remember back in, not that I'm this old, but there were ads that I saw. You mentioned the word official stories. There was a guy by the name of Liam Sheff who wrote a book called Official Stories. And he had some posters that he'd made. And back in the 1920s, 1930s, sometime in that time frame, way before I was born, they had these posters of babies. And these babies would say, flies don't land on me because I've had my DDT. Now we know how how dangerous that stuff is. Even even oh, you know when I was a kid, I remember seeing these things. When I was like five, six, seven years old, I remember these ads where they'd have it was cool for the doctors to smoke cigarettes. Right, a cigarette a day keeps the doctor away. You remember that kind of crap, right? Yeah, for okay. sure. So there's all this misinformation that's been propagated over the years. Now you start looking at what the what the real issue at hand is right now, and that is that these. Um, vaccines and these all, all these different things that they've been promoting for us to, to do from a prevention standpoint, they're supposed to be helping us stay alive. But nobody talks about the toxicology aspect. So the toxicology division 
if they find something wrong when they go out for the CBC, now a company, an industry, a corporation, an individual has to be held responsible because they created it, they propagated it, they got it into global commerce, whatever. If you start looking at the history of the dirty dozen, these are the top 12 worst chemicals known to man and have been banned now across the world from being used in global commerce. Those, the, the dirty dozen, every one of them, the least amount of time they were used in global commerce was 50 years. Most of them went over 75 years before they were targeted as being dangerous. So now let's come back to what's this got to do with COVID-19. Wuhan, 2016, 2017, public outcry to the point that it garnered international attention and C, uh, CNN and BBC covered the outgassing from the incinerators burning and the level of pollution in Wuhan, okay? Perfect setup going on. It's been going on since 2013, 2016, 2017. Now the world recognizes it, 2018, 2019. Riots going on because of the incinerators burning and the outgassing from these chemicals. So these people are already polluted. Second, in 2018, Wuhan has been picked as a city to launch 5G. At 12,000 towers, I don't know how many thousands of towers, but in December, they launched, turned on like 2,000 of them. So now you got a toxicological component. By the way, the second video, part two, is Toxicology Ignored. All right? That's the name of the title. Guess which has been the most unwatched video of my of the so far five series? Toxicology <laughs> Ignored is number two. It's been ignored. <laughs> it's been ignored. And it's such an important part, right? The yeah. people that are dying, they're dying because they're toxic. So their immune systems are suppressed. So that's the first thing in Wuhan. Second thing, now we've got the, the 5G aspect. And whether people say, oh, 5G is superficial, it's not this, it's not that, it's not this. There's so many different people that have so many different opinions on this, but it's not scientifically based. So let's look at the science. Your phone is at around 900 hertz, all right? A thousand hertz is a megahertz. A thousand megahertz is a kilohertz. A thousand kilohertz is a gigahertz. So a billion, that's nine zeros, three zeros, three zeros, three zeros. So a billion hertz right? A billion hertz. So your phone is at 900 hertz. That's 4G. A billion hertz is one gigahertz. The science has shown that at 1.8 gigahertz, you have an extremely high, more than statistically significant rate of cancers developing in the brain, in the adrenals, in the heart. A heart cancer is very rare. It's not that commonly seen. And you have all sorts of other neurological implications and suppression of immune system and all sorts of other stuff. Not even mentioning the, the physiological changes, the voltage-gated calcium channels get disrupted and allows for an efflux of, of calcium into the cell, which is now causing a, a suppression of apoptosis. And that suppression of apoptosis is consistent and congruent with cancers. It also causes all sorts of other components. And you know, with the, there's this hemoglobin shift that it causes. And I haven't, I haven't gone in and delved into that yet. Deeply enough, that's actually one of the things I was doing today because today I'm supposed to finish part six and hopefully it's going to be released tomorrow. Ooh, but good. There's a lot of information around this concept of what 5G is doing. Now, here's where 5G is going. Remember, I said at one point gigahertz or 1.8 billion hertz, that's where the studies have shown. There are over 2,000 studies that have been published on this. Do you know what 5G is going to be rolled out, what the goal is for 5G to be rolled out at? Uh, 60 gigahertz. Uh, 30 to 300 gigahertz, that range. Oh, the range, 30 to 300, right. 30 right. to 300. So remember, at 1.8 gigahertz, that's where the cancers start. 
the 5G that's been rolled out is anywhere between 1 to 2.5 gigahertz, but the goal is 30 to 300. Now, when people say that there's no scientific evidence, either they just don't know how to read or they don't know what scientific evidence means. And I'm so damn tired of hearing the medical profession and scientists saying that there's no scientific evidence. They just, okay, so 2020, when they first interviewed me, it was interesting because they, they took different portions. I've learned never to have media or have national media coverage unless I have my own cameras rolling to make sure to maintain journalistic integrity because that's the one thing journalists don't have is integrity anymore. But they basically said, uh, Dr. Bichar, what do you say about these people that, that say that you're, you know, all these videos that you've put out, there's no scientific basis to them? And I'm like, what videos? And they said, you know, all of the patients before and after. So I said, first of all, I didn't put those videos out. Some of them we did, but most of them patients put out themselves. <clears throat> but second, who said that these videos are scientific integrity, have any scientific basis? You know, that I was saying that videos from patients are not based on science. Well, they took my stuff out of context and they asked me a question of scientific context. So I answered the question and then took this portion so that it seems like that I'm saying that my science isn't based on scientific evidence. And what the question that asked me was, Dr. Mitar, well, what, what about the people that they say that this is not, um, the, the, this is not based on scientific evidence. I said, what scientific evidence are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? And you know, the prevailing scientific model, Dr. Mitar. I said, what, what, do you, what do you mean? And you know, the, the accepted, double, the, uh, accepted evidence-based model, that's what we're talking about. And my response was, excuse me, are you talking about the double-blind placebo-controlled crossover multi-centered evidence-based trials that led to the advent of such drugs as Vioxx that had to kill 55,000 people before they took it off the damn market? Is that the type of evidence-based model that you're talking about? And of course, he changed the subject and went on to something else. But they took the two segments and put it together to make it seem like that I'm saying that, you know, who said that my stuff is scientifically based? So the, the, this model, when you're talking about of science, right? When people say, well, there's no scientific evidence. There's scientific evidence all around. The true definition of science, according to, I, I apologize, it's either Socrates or, or Plato, one of the two, but I think it was Socrates that said, science, true science is based on observation. And when you observe something, then you form a hypothesis and then you retest that hypothesis. And you, if you have a consistent recurring phenomena, then you can call that science. That's basically the definition of science is observation and then test it. The fall to for the medical community and the scientific community that have an agenda is to say that if it's not something that's been published using their biased methodology, it's not scientifically based. The double-blind placebo-controlled crossover-centered trials, if you want to call that evidence-based, first of all, you, you like the word the way they use the word evidence-based, which means based on the evidence, and yet they never base it on the evidence. They base it on some other thing. So they, they call the double-blind placebo-controlled crossover multi-centered trials as evidence-based. That's their definition. But evidence-based, I, I, I just want to paint an analogy to you uh, for you. Think of a house. A house is built up of bricks. Okay. Similarly, science is built up on facts, but a pile of bricks does not make a house. And what they're doing with the double-blind crossover multi-centered trial, placebo-controlled trial, is they're accumulating a bunch of facts. But they you accumulate a bunch of facts and you throw them down. They don't. That's not science. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. science built upon facts is true, but a pile of facts is no more science, which is all they're doing. Is that's all they're discovering when they get, do these double-blind studies. A pile of facts is no more science than a pile of bricks is a house. That's what it comes down to. And yet they say that there's no scientific evidence. 
my God, 2,000 studies have been shown that this is going to cause a mass effect on, on every type of living system. We're, we've seen what it does to the calcium channel blocks. We've seen the cause of cancer or how many people get cancer. Uh, not people, I'm sorry, mice, rats. Maybe, maybe some people are rats. I don't know. Maybe some of these people are rats. I have no idea. My point being that it has been shown in multiple, multiple studies how dangerous this is. And again, if you start looking at the history of the viral chasers, the CDC sending out two teams, toxicology team, infectious disease team, then it makes sense that there's something big that's about to happen. They can't blame it on an industry. So to cover up for the industry, let's blame it on this COVID-19, shut everything down so people can't see really around themselves what's going on. I mean, we're in the living in the age of social media that everybody has a freaking camera, right? Where are all these people that are dying? And when they do show somebody dying, they're using freaking mannequins to show it. You know, the, the, you've seen the, the videos of, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense. I, you can trip and fall and people see the video everywhere of the person tripping and falling. And yet they've got tens of thousands of people dying of COVID-19. Where are these people? Show me these people. I haven't seen them. And, you know, I'm going to share something with you that not too many people know. I'm going to be releasing this in part six. I have friends that are doctors in New York City. I have relatives that are doctors that are friend that that have been communicating with me or that I've been in touch with in New York. And yes, there are more stranger things going on in New York, higher rate of respiratory distress, but it is not a viral phenomena. And if you treat it as a viral phenomena, those people are going to die faster. In fact, there's a certain protocol. I, I hope I hope this isn't considered. Um, what I'm going to say now, people don't take it the wrong way, but I'm going to I try to be as blunt as I can, Luke, so that people can understand. You know, sometimes when you use analogies, people can understand the analogies. So if a person is going to go to the bathroom, there's usually a sequence of events. They walk in the bathroom, they shut the door, they unzip their pants, they pull them down, then they sit down on the toilet, and then they do their business. Am I, am I, is that re- relatively the right order, right? Nobody well, goes into the bathroom then goes, you know, takes a crap in the pants, then locks the door, then pulls down the pants. And then I don't think people do that, but that's exactly what's happening. And the reason that all these respiratory uh, issues are going on, all the, all the ventilator issues are going on is there's a certain protocol that when people have airway compromise, that airway compromise is dealt with. Okay. You first put people on two liters of nasal cannula, then you put them on five liters, 10 liters. Then you go to uh, assisted airway, you put them on BPAP, then you you know support their airway, and then you intubate them. Then you go to the last route is endotracheal intubation. That's the last thing that you do. And that's to stabilize the airway. One of the problems is right now, they're going straight from that first thing to the last thing. They're not going through the normal sequence in between that they would normally do for the person that has airway compromise or that has that needs some assistance. They're not taking people through the BPAP. They're going straight to the endotracheal intubation. Well, they're not set up to have this many people on ventilators and this many people endotracheally intubated because that's just not what happens. I mean, you're going to have a lot of people and even the even in like massive war situations and everything, you're not going to have that type of issue. So they're bypassing all the normal steps and then creating this elevated synthetic desperation of need for ventilators. If they were just doing the stuff like that normally, would you wouldn't have that issue. That's the first thing. So it's all made up BS. That's the first thing. Second, as soon as you intubate an individual, 
You've got other issues you got to deal with. You got mechanical dysfunction. You got aspiration, pneumonia issues. You've got uh, trauma issues. Okay. Where, where it's not done the correct way and it can cause trauma. Then you've got the pressure that's from the ventilator. It's called barotrauma that many of these people are dying from barotrauma in New York. So they've created a problem and they've, they're trying to mask that issue by pointing out one fourth truths. Okay. It's, it's a, it's a matter of if I, I don't know what a good analogy would be, but it's basically like if I took a, a little little box of of hay and dried it all out, and then I set it on fire, and I have cameras all around and saying, this is the worst fire ever known to man, and you see this burning inferno, but it's a little box that's controlling you filming it, and everything else around is green and normal, and you know that's what they're doing. They're creating this illusion, and their illusion is now... There are too many people asking questions and their illusion, they haven't done a very good job. If they'd gone to Disney and try to get some you know, special effects and maybe they could have made it look better, but they didn't. And that's the problem because their, their story is falling apart and it, the media is fueling it to keep this thing going. Um, Dr. Ron, uh, Ron Paul, who I think should have been, and he's, he's a great guy and, and his philosophies are right on track. And again, I'm not a political person, but I'm talking about him. But Ron Paul, yesterday came out and said, Fauci should be fired. Okay. Fauci has done more harm for mankind. Not just this time that people didn't know. Fauci became, Fauci started his antics in 1980. In 1981, he called homosexuality the gay disease. And he was the one who propagated a drug for prophylaxis to prevent HIV Three years before even the HIV virus had been supposedly identified, because that didn't happen until 1984. He was pushing a drug in 1981, and, and so many people were hurt. So many people were damaged by that drug, but people don't remember that. That's, that's when Fauci started. He's been playing this game for 40 years, and Dr. Ron Paul said he should be fired. I think something more should be done. He should be more than fired. Okay. Wow. And that we see, then we start seeing how almost affectionately and lovingly Gates talks about Fauci and CNN. You know, it's almost like, you know, he's like caressing him. It's, I, I, just, well, I did see, I did see a tie between Fauci, the other woman, uh, uh, Biggs. Yeah. Between both of them and the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation. And once I saw that, I was like, Oh, really? Okay. Well, uh, Bix is, it's been interesting that she's been saying that th- these deaths aren't her message, the, at least the ones that I've heard so far, are that these numbers don't are not justified and the death rate is a lot lower. But you know, if you're trying to show an epidemic and you're saying, well, this is this is not even like people are saying, well, this is just a bad case of the flu. It's not like a bad case of the flu. The flu kills a hell of a lot more people. The flu has killed more people. The first video that I put out showed how many people had died of the flu, season flu from January 1st, 2020 till March 23rd when that video came out. And it was 110,000 people worldwide that had died of the season flu compared to only 16,000 people or 13,000 people from, uh, from COVID-19. So the seasonal flu is, is actually a lot worse. But again, you got to compare apples to apples. The way that they're doing it, they're throwing every type of fruit and they're finding hubcaps and wheels and tires and throwing that into the mix and saying, this is the number of apples that people are dying from. You, they're not, that's not true. They're, they're, not, they're not reporting the facts. And if you report the facts, you would see that virtually COVID-19 is probably of all the different things has been the least, uh, it's very virulent, it spreads fast. But you and I have probably been exposed to it. You and I probably even have it. It's just that it's rapidly spreads, but there's not much to it. And if a person gets the vaccine coming down, 
That's where the damage is going. That's where the hundreds of millions of people are going to be affected. That's where the tens of millions of people are going to die. Because now they've introduced something into you. And then the mandated RF chip, who knows what the field that's generating? Who knows what the 5G is going to generate to that and create a field? We don't know. We don't know what they're going to be injecting. Already we know that regular vaccines have DNA adducts and human mutated cell lines and formaldehyde and such positive, healthy elements such as mercury, the second most toxic substance known to man according to the EPA and, and nickel. And God knows all this crap that's been put in vaccines over the years. Now that you tell me that they're going to come up with another vaccine that takes normally five years to develop in three months, they're going to come up. And the person that has the patents for all those vaccines and the patents for all the original viruses is behind all this stuff. That's going to be the danger. When they start putting these chips in us, when they start doing these mandated vaccines, and I'm telling people right now, look, I'm not, I don't promote violence. Okay, I do not promote violence. But I'm reminding everybody, there is a reason that our forefathers gave us, one, the freedom of speech, and two, the right to bear arms. And the number of people from other parts of the world that are sending me messages, I hope you Americans understand what's at stake. Because if you go down, the rest of the world goes down. I hope you Americans understand that the reason that we're still not enslaved to, you know, what whatever potential is out there is because that the largest civilian population that is armed exists in the U.S. And this is the reason that all these events have been going on for years. You know, these false flag events and have there been these mass shootings? Of course, there've been these mass shootings. But to blame it on guns? Come on, seriously. You know, if we're going to blame it on guns, I've been saying this and people love this. If you're going to blame that on guns, then we need to start banning spoons because of the obesity epidemic. You know, it's, it's the most absurd thing to blame a tool as opposed to the person behind the tool. And so if there's this orchestration going on with these vaccines throughout the last, you know, whatever it's been, 20 years, the Zika and the H1N1 and, and all these different components that are coming down the pipeline, then maybe this disarming of the public and the constant uh, repertoire of that people have to stop being armed or, or guns should be made illegal or all this other stuff is to take our power to resist away. If you think about it right now, now with the World Health Organization, President Trump said he's going to give money to them. Then they came out two days ago saying that now it seems like coronavirus has been pushed into households. And now um, the most the most spread is among family members. And it's time for us to go into these households and remove these family members and then segregate them out and quarantine them in a safe place. Do you want to know what's going to happen if somebody tries to come to my house and tries to quarantine somebody, me or my one of my kids? <laughs> You'll hear about how Dr. Buttar died of COVID-19. That's what you're going to hear about because you know, <laughs> after they shoot me a couple of times ahead, and believe me, I'll take out a couple of them with me. But once I'm shot in the head, my cause of death will be COVID-19, just like everybody else's. I'm again being facetious, but that's the level where we're going. That's where we're heading if we allow this type of ridiculousness to go unchecked. And fortunately, yesterday I heard that President Trump has now revoked the funding to the World Health Organization as it should be. And I believe that a member of the House of Representatives has now asked for an investigation into, into who. They, their reasons are a little bit different. They're thinking that China orchestrated this, blah, blah, blah. And you know, whatever, to me, these, these are what are real conspiratorial theories, right? China did this and you know, this country did this. But it, this is truly a conspiracy. The real word conspiracy where people conspired to misinform and have a higher agenda. This is what this, you're witnessing it right now. The science shows it. The, the individuals out there in the streets are seeing it now. They're, they're you know, sending in information when, when doctors are being sent home and saying, you know, 
stand down and nurses are told, uh, we need to adjust this cause of death on these death certificates. Okay, that's not giving us enough numbers. And what do we do? Okay, let's just change the mandate. And from this point on, everybody that dies, if they have a respiratory condition, put COVID-19 down. So that'll elevate our numbers. Okay, if that's not going to be enough, okay, let's, let's just say if somebody trips and falls or somebody dies of suffocation, somebody dies for anything, just put COVID-19 down. In fact, don't even go test it anymore. I can show you the medical board letters that came in um, from each state is sending out letters to their practitioner, to the physicians. And I got one, it was, uh, I think, March 30th, I think I got the letter. And it basically said from the state epidemiologist that from this point onwards, if you suspect somebody has COVID-19, has coronavirus, don't have to test them, just go home, just send them home. Well, of course, it makes it easy now if you don't have numbers because you're telling people to go home because you don't have a test to validate it and the tests are false positive and then anybody with a flu shot in the past is going to test positive. Well, how much easier is it to elevate your numbers by saying, well, these people said that you know they had a little cough or they had whatever and just boom, put it up as a coronavirus and just elevate the numbers bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's what they're reporting. That's why New York has been hit high because they're just reporting these numbers and they're just finding every way to inflate those numbers. And the honest to God truth, as you saw in part five, the, that guy, Jason, that walked around and did the, you know, the hospital, I think that was his name. I had a brief conversation with him and he said, look, if, I, if my life depended on me finding a COVID-19 patient, because I would have died because I couldn't find anybody. It was that ludicrous. And yet they're saying all these people are dying. All these people are dying. So there are people in the hospitals that have respiratory distress, but they, they're, being, they're being managed for more something like an altitude type sickness a hypoxic type injury, which is not consistent or congruent with how you would see a virus present. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. All right, I've got a new discovery to share with you. It's called Peak Tea Crystals. Now, I've been a fan of tea and I've understood the health benefits of tea for a long time. But to be quite honest, I always feel like tea is a little weak, like the flavor profile is just not there for me. And as a result, I feel like there's probably not enough medicine in it. Additionally, I find it to be a little bit of a pain in the ass to make tea because you got to deal with the whole tea bag. You have to wait for it to be ready and all that. I don't know. It's just kind of like hard for me to figure out. What I love about Peak Tea is that they make a concentrated tea extract powder that you easily just pour into some hot water. And it makes this tea 12 times more antioxidant rich. And I would say at least 12 times more potent in its flavor. It's absolutely delicious. And so during the day, I'll often have one of these myself, like a green tea, maybe jasmine, mint green, or the fermented pu'er green tea. And I'll often offer these to my guests when they come in. And every single time they're like, oh my God, this is the best tea ever. What is it? And uh, that's my secret. I don't tell them. No, I do. It's peak tea crystals. Uh, Also at night, they have a hibiscus and a ginger that are really great kind of warming, soothing teas. And they're super strong and just delicious tasting. Sometimes I'll even use these teas as a base to work on other elixirs and like add some ghee and different things like that. And so they're just freaking amazing. And I'm excited to share them with you. They are triple tested for toxins. They're like absolutely the cleanest, most delicious and most health beneficial teas I've ever found. Very concentrated polyphenols. Really good for your immunity and a balanced microbiome. They're just absolutely awesome. So here's what I'd like you to do. Go over to peaktea.com. That's P-I-Q-U-E-T-A-E, peaktea.com. Enter the code LUKESTORY and save 10% off. That's peaktea.com. The code is LUKESTORY for 10% off. They don't have sales very often. There's a hard company to get discount with. 
So get over there and get your discount now. However, I must say this discount does not apply to their fermented Pu'er teas due to their limited quantity. But go to peaktea.com, enter the code LUKESTORY and save 10% off right now. And now back to the interview. I think that, uh, I mean, there's, God, there's so many offshoots. I'm not, I'm just letting you go because this is all really good stuff, but I have like, I have a million offshoots of this and I want to explore a couple of them. Uh, A, I want to say to anyone listening that hears all of this and is overwhelmed uh, and that has the sense that this is your opinion or conjecture. And like, as you said, where's the science? Where's the data? I really want to encourage them to to watch those videos on your site. Uh, the one that I watched in, you know, to completion, uh, number five, and I'm of course going to go back and watch the other ones. I'm just kind of in a sensory overload. I'm getting texts and just all these messages every day of this link and that link. I mean, it's, it's like becoming a full-time job to fight this thing, especially with the censorship element. But um, I, I think that it's really a key part of what you're doing is you're really documenting all of these kind of man-on-the-street reports as well as a lot of historical scientific data that is valid and relevant. And, um, and also, my hope with this is just, again, for people to start thinking critically and asking questions and and hopefully to ease some of the fear. It's sort of the good news, bad news. It's like, wow, perhaps we don't have to be as afraid of this uh, from an illness standpoint or the pathology of it as a supposed virus, et cetera. But um, what we really need to be more concerned about is the loss of civil liberties that are coming as a result of this. So I just want to throw that in there. Uh, that Luke, if I can just add is, to that, if yeah. I can just add real quick to that, it's not yeah. so much the loss of civil liberties that I'm concerned about, which is bad enough. That happened with 9-11 and many other things. It's the next thing after the loss of civil liberties that comes, okay? Because there is going to be, a loss is one thing, but then there's more infringement on other things. And, and it's, it's very, very scary. If a person has any fear about COVID-19, take that fear out of that box, put it in another box that's talking about what's coming down the pipeline and then add three more zeros to it. That's where your concern should be. Because honestly, <laughs> there's more chance that you're going to okay. stumble fall, stub your toe, hit your head, and then have an aneurysm from that than you getting COVID-19. It, it, it's, you know, how many times does a person stub their toe and then results in an aneurysm? Never. But if you did stub your toe, fall, hit, and hit your head, yeah, it's possible. But the chances of you winning the lottery are greater than that. So yes, there may be some people that, that have something to worry about. If you were an elderly person, then be precautious, but there would be no more precautions than normal, right? Like wash your hands, and, um, and part six is going to go through some of these precautions, some of the natural treatments that can be easy done. I can show you that there's no way that COVID-19 could survive if a person's just doing some basic nutritional things. And, and we release that information. That's going to be in part six. But anyway, I didn't want to, I didn't want to interrupt you. So go on with those. Oh, no, it's fine. Things. It's fine. I mean, and, and on that note, because I've been very unclear as to what's really going on, as most of us have, I mean, I definitely have been staying home. I've got an ozone generator. I'm doing that. I mean, I do that all the time anyway. My hyperbaric chamber, infrared sauna, ice baths, boosting up everything I do for immunity because who knows what's really going on. I mean, now with more information, I think I'm becoming less concerned with that element of it. But I think this is the funny thing. If you're doing all that stuff right now, Luke, the coronavirus is more afraid of you than you are of it. I can tell you that because it's not going to survive. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I understand I'm, you know, it's, part of my my gig and my passion to explore alternative modalities of healing. And so I, I feel I'm in a good position there that some people aren't. Um, 
But the funny thing, well, there's so many directions I want to go, as I said, so I'll try and parcel this out and we can dissect a little bit of this story, uh, is I find it interesting and very suspicious that within the official narrative, especially when it's now all of a sudden this Bill Gates character, uh, if you look into his history, you'll find there's some very sordid details about his past and his family of origin and, and all of this. We maybe don't have time to get into that, but... Um, I find it interesting when someone like that comes out and there's zero mention of a healthy lifestyle, of boosting immunity, of avoiding toxins, of getting sleep, of doing the things that make us resistant to all viruses, uh, regardless of their degree of severity. Um, so it's it's like when the solutions being offered don't offer anything of fundamental health and an awareness of how the human biology works and how the immune system works, that in and of itself is quite suspicious. When the Absolutely. only answer mentioned is like, oh, we're working on a vaccine, working on a vaccine. How about um, we work on uh, sending people to ozone clinics? How about that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but um, I want to I go back to the, the, the 5G piece. And, uh, can, I, can I make a comment on that, what you just said? Because sure, you, know, sure. when you mentioned the ozone. So, uh, and of course, we do ozone autohemotherapy and all these different types of treatments. But here's the, what's the funniest thing that I found. Hydrochloroquine is a, it's a, an immunosuppressive, actually. I don't necessarily recommend that because it's an immunosuppressive. It's Plaquenil is what it is, and it's used in arthritis. But they find that the combination of that and Zithromax works, and it's knocking out this, this issue. And so that's something that's there. It's tried, it's proven, blah, blah, blah. So now they've got that. And they're talking about the vaccine. So when Trump talked about, you know, at least... Do this combination because we know what that'll do. We don't know what the vaccine is going to do. You know, you're not going to die from Zithromax and Plaquenil, but you know, you could die from the vaccine. We don't know. However, you said it. And Fauci's response to this. So they're talking about bringing out this new vaccine, but they're saying now the Zithromax and Plaquenil, which have been used for years, like right? Plaquenil has been on the market for, I don't know, 40 years and Zithromax has been on the market for at least 20. I mean, instead of, instead of actually saying, okay, yeah, do this. They're saying, well, further clinical trials are needed before you can use this. But no, we're going to take the vaccine that has no clinical trials and introduce it into you. But remember, these vaccines, when somebody, nobody can be injured by vaccines, okay? That's what they say. They say nobody can be injured by vaccines because it's approved. So right now, when a person gets injured by a vaccine, you have to file a lawsuit and when the lawsuit's filed, the defendant in that lawsuit is actually the Health and Human Services Secretary. But how can that be if we're filing a lawsuit against a vaccine manufacturer? Why is the HHS being named as the, as the, as the defendant? And the reason is, is because in the 1980s, when the vaccine industry was causing so much mayhem, they went to Congress and Congress was going to bail them out. And President Reagan at the time said, no, this is not a good idea. But they went ahead and bailed out the pharmaceutical industry, then taking over all the studies and all the safety components they were supposed to do. And of course, the government, you know how efficient they are. So none of that stuff was done. But now because everybody who files a lawsuit against a vaccine manufacturer is going to be actually fighting the government and the, who's defending the government is the Department of Justice. So you as a parent with a child that's been vaccine injured or you as an adult that's been vaccine injured, when you file a lawsuit against a vaccine company, you've got the Department of Justice that you're fighting defending the 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 vaccine manufacturer. And it's the, so it's, it's the most convoluted thing if you start looking at it from a, from a um, 
from a commercial standpoint. So anybody that manufactures anything should be held responsible for what they're manufacturing. The only industry that is not being held responsible for, for what they create is the vaccine industry. It is extremely, Crazy. extremely disturbing. And then you start looking at the components within the vaccine industry. You know, I was, I was actually uh, attacked as an anti-vaxxer. And I'm very, very clear in this standpoint. I am not anti-vaccine. I am anti-stupidity and I have always been anti-stupidity. And the vaccine schedule, the way it is right now, is absolutely 1000% does not meet, it's not conducive to how the human physiology works. So I made a post and when somebody came out and, and said, Dr. Tar, I can't believe that you're, you said that you're not anti-vaccine, which means that you're a pro-vaccine person. And I'm like, guys, I'm not pro-vaccine. I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm talking about the immune system. God designed the immune system in a beautiful way. The immune system is supposed to identify something that's foreign and then mount a defense against it. Here's the problem with the, the modern day vaccine schedule. We're giving vaccines to a baby on the first day of the planet. If we're giving vaccine on the first day of the planet, then the thought process is we're helping their immune system. But here's the problem with that. One, the body can't even seroconvert till the first six months to a year of life. So the baby's immune system can't even convert uh, and uh, make an antibody. So to, to introduce a vaccine to create antibodies, it's ludicrous. Some people say it's actually two years to 14 years before the immune system works. So that's the first thing. Second thing, if our goal is to mount the immune system, then why are we not preventing things that are suppressing the immune system, like formaldehyde and nickel and mercury and all these things? Third, the types of diseases we're trying to protect these children from, they'll never be exposed to them in the first 10 days of life. Look at hepatitis B. We know hepatitis B takes three shots, three cycles. We know that after the 10, 10 years, you need to go through another cycle of hepatitis B vaccinations, theoretically. And if you think about this, look, just from a logical standpoint, if you know that a vaccine is only going to be good for 10 years, and you know it's going to be given every 10 years, supposedly without doing titers, and then you look at it, well, who, who needs hepatitis B? Prostitutes, because they're promiscuous. IV drug users, because of the exchange of needles. And... Healthcare providers, because they're exposed. Some people say healthcare providers, but not because they're the prostitutes of the pharmaceutical industry, because they are the, they are the uh, highest risk group because they're taking care of people that have these types of, you know, that are promiscuous and that are IV drug users. So now the question is, we give our baby, newborn baby, first day on the planet, something to prevent them from getting hepatitis B. Are we really concerned that our newborn baby before they reach 10 is going to become an IV drug user? A healthcare provider or a prostitute before, you know, between the age of zero and 10? And are we really concerned that they're going to have this high risk potential of acquiring one of these professions or, or these habits before the age of 10 when their immune system can't even mount a response till the two years old? So if, if this devise logic, you know, would you fly in a plane if you knew that one out of 32 chances, one out of 32 people getting in that plane would either be dead or would be maimed, would have some kind of a neurological deficit? Would you fly like that? Hell no. No. So, the, you know, we, we were designed to walk. God designed us to walk. But because we're man, we came up with better, more efficient ways of traveling. So when we want to go from here to South Africa, we're not going to walk. We're going to take a plane. Okay. So that's how we took our natural mode of traveling, walking, and then made it better by making, making more efficient by discovering flight and flying there. Similarly, the immune system works a certain way. So the concept of introducing a pathogen to get the immune system to start working better or faster, it's a great concept. But now you add adjuvants that are there to design 
to irritate the immune system when you're actually causing immunosuppressive agents to be introduced. So if you're trying to get the immune system to work, why are you giving things that are immunosuppressive? And why are you giving it at a time when the body can't even make the damn antibodies? So, and then and, and on top of that, then you cause one out of 32 kids to be maimed. So the problem is that I'm, if we ever come up with a vaccine, any type of vaccine that doesn't have adjuvants, that doesn't have, uh, that is given at the right time of the body, two, three, four years, given the way that the body shouldn't be introduced, meaning orally or in the nasal mucosa, not introduced parenterally. If we start having that type of stuff and there's no one out of 32 people getting, getting damaged, then it's a great concept. But it, you know, it's a great concept, bad product is what it comes down to. So flight is a great concept. If the planes were crashing or you know, every 30, 30 planes crashing or one out of 32 passengers was getting autism or stroke or something like that, then of course, nobody would be flying. That's the same thing with the vaccine industry. So why are we not saying, I'm not going to tolerate this type of situation? I'm not going to get on this plane until you get your numbers safer. Instead, they're mandating it. They're saying you can't be exempted from it. You have to have it. And we, look, wait a second. There's not enough doctors to give it. Let's start giving it in grocery food stores and key airport kiosks. Okay. And, and they're forcing people to get on this plane, essentially at gunpoint, saying you can't have, be educated and you, we want to make it as community for you to get this stuff. And one out of 32 people are getting maimed. And now if that's not mad, bad enough, what do they do? Let's launch this COVID-19 and mandate some type of vaccine to get sure everybody gets it. And then, of course, you've got the agenda. What is the real agenda here? Then you can go back and look at the archives of what the person who owns a patent on the viruses and who's pushing the vaccine, who, what his agenda is and what his belief system is about population and all that stuff. And I don't even know whether you want to get into all that. But I do. I'm going to put okay. a, I'm going to, I do. In fact, I'm going to put a pin in that. And I want to go back a little bit to the, uh, the EMF issue. And I think there's, there's a lot of misinformation. In fact, this morning, you know, the pushback on this is just, it's incredible to see now that there are some things coming to light. But a friend of mine, I woke up to this from theguardian.com, which you think, oh, The Guardian, that's a reputable news source. Uh, 5G confirmed safe by radiation watchdog. I mean, it's just like, really? Wow. Um, but I, I think we're, what we're experiencing here in many ways from the people that are fighting for censorship and uh, fighting alternative points of view, I think we're really experiencing this sort of cognitive dissonance slash Stockholm syndrome where people have been so brainwashed and so programmed to follow the mainstream medical industry, education system, uh, the media, uh, and take everything at face value and see something in theguardian.com and go, hey, they said it, it's true. Uh, that as the narrative begins to crumble, as we were discussing earlier, 9-11, there was a huge crumbling of the matrix there and some light started to shine through. Uh, the armor was pierced, so to speak, in terms of people that were formerly not interested in kind of more obscure points of view started to become interested because they had realized they'd been deceived. And then you have the other side of people that rather than becoming more curious and more open-minded, actually become more skeptical and more closed-minded. And I think what that is, is really this cognitive dissonance. It's just like they can't accept the possibility that they have been dumb enough uh, to be misled <laughs> with uh, to such a high degree, right? And so when it comes to this 5G thing, you know, I follow... A number of different people on Twitter. I have a private list of the people I follow because I would probably be blacklisted from California if people saw who I look at. Like someone like Candace Owens, who's 
I don't know what people call her, but people have called her a white supremacist, which is really strange considering she's an African-American woman. But um, I don't know how that works, but um, it would be a very strange position to have at least. But uh, you know, following people like that and getting, getting a different point of view, because it's really easy to turn on CNN and Fox and CNBC and see what everyone else is seeing. But I want to see kind of both sides of it. So I pay a little attention to that and not. And what I see from the people that are you know, on Twitter saying, oh, these idiots think that uh, the Wuhan you know, 5G created COVID-19, like their way that they even frame it isn't even what the people that are questioning are, are posing as possibilities. Like no one's ever really even said that. It's just like, hey, there seems to be a correlation here um, and perhaps causation, but definitely some sort of correlation or at least perhaps. Um, but well, I think- it's, it's around- a, I don't think it's a causation aspect at all. Um, in fact, the science doesn't show about the causation, but you know, I just wanted to clarify that, but go yeah. ahead. So correlation is is what people are curious about then. Um, it's, an, and even, it's an exacerbation is what it really comes down to. Okay, okay, yeah. right. So, so you're right, the way they position those statements, though, it's absurd. It makes, you know, COVID-19 and 5G, you know, is a conspiracy, it's a, the, debunked, debunked, you know, there's yeah. no cause. <laughs> Who said that 5G causes COVID-19? That's what people are trying, they're trying to reposition. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's when, just, I, when I was, uh, I put out my Dr. Thomas Cowan uh, episode today at the time of this recording with you, actually, it was just released. And as I said earlier, I have you know, changed a lot of the wording in the copy to try and get by the algorithms uh, SEO wise. But um, when I was researching the links to put in the show notes for his videos, a bunch of them had been taken down. And in pl- I think they're all been removed now because God forbid you pose a question just in an arbitrary um, from an arbitrary point of view, but uh, what I did find were all of these like um, counterintelligence articles and websites. And the first one that popped up uh, was from uh, I forget the news out. I think it was Newsweek.com actually. And the title of the article was "Conspiracy Theorists on YouTube Claim That 5G Internet Causes uh, COVID-19," which. <laughs> if there's no such thing as 5G internet. First off, what where people are talking about is the fifth generation of wireless technology, which is about cellular service. The 5G that you see on your router is five um, five uh, a gigahertz, which is this. You can get 2.4 or five gigahertz, and that's just the frequency of the Wi-Fi in your house. So they're conflating that in such a misleading and obvious way. And in the video, he never indicated that there was causation, just possible correlation, because the effects of that amount of radiation on the human body uh, suppress the immune system, uh, cause you to not be able to uptake oxygen, et cetera, et cetera. The hemoglobin can't carry oxygen. I mean, there's a whole thing that's been widely proven. But what I think is funny about it too is that people are unaware that when you were talking about the different frequencies of the fifth generation of cellular service being rolled out around the world, there there are many cities that have rolled out like Los Angeles that are in a completely different frequency range. In other words, uh, like T-Mobile, for example, here is, I mean, it's right on their website, it's 600 uh, megahertz, I think is what they're using because it goes a lot farther. And they don't have to have little mini cell towers like they would with those higher or the, um, the bigger frequencies, the more powerful frequencies that you're talking about. So it's like 5G, my point is 5G isn't even one thing. 
it's it's the next generation, right? It's 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 a new rollout of a different system of towers, and a lot of the five G service piggybacks on the old four G networks too. And right. so In it's fact, just right right now that's the only way they can do it because they haven't rolled out the infrastructure yet for the for the real high hard one stuff. You're absolutely right. right. So they're 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 introducing this next generation of service. They're increasing the number of towers, and that's part of it. The other part is. That 1G, 2G, 3G, and 4G are also really dangerous and harmful to all living things on the planet. And that's been unequivocally proven scientifically from the beginning of the wireless industry moving in that direction, right? Mm-hmm. And this is going back when radar uh, was first developed and, and even before cell phones. And so I think that's, that's the part of it that's also infuriating is, is the counterintelligence moves um, by the mainstream media. And it's like, wow, that's interesting because so many of these outlets are owned by the telecommunication companies that are rolling out this technology, right? right. It's like there's so many cases of the fox guarding the hen house. Yep. As you were describing in the, you know, in the vaccine industry, having these government agencies overseeing them and protecting them when they're the ones that are supposed to be protecting us, not big pharma. Exactly. And so exactly. when it comes to this idea of, oh, that's been debunked, 5G doesn't cause that. I think what's important for people to realize is that what we're talking about is just the global global proliferation and increase in intensity of radiation in our environment. Right. And if you take a steak, a raw steak, and put it in a microwave under microwave radiation, which is what these towers do, what happens? It dries out. And so, uh, you know, the effect of... Microwave energy is the most detrimental energy to the human cells, to the, to the human body. It is not uh, congruent with how, it, it's not cell resonant. And in fact, we did a little, we did a little study about 20 years ago with uh, Dr. James Hover, who has now passed and using electrodermal screening and some other components that are considered, you know, not, they're not conventional testing methods. But based upon that analysis, I haven't had anything that was made in the microwave in over 20 years. I don't have a microwave in my house. I can take this camera and show you there's a big hole in the wall where the microwave used to be 20 years ago. I don't have a microwave in any of our offices. There's no, my, my kids, my, you know, my youngest son is 15 years old. He's never consumed anything from a microwave before. He won't. In fact, we were in Maui once and they put a burrito in this oven, he, uh, in this microwave oven. He wouldn't eat it. I was like, why aren't you eating it? You said you wanted it. He wouldn't eat it. And finally he told me, he goes, dad, they put it in a microwave. I'm not going to eat it. And I'm like, <laughs> you, that's good enough for me. So, you know, when people realize really how dangerous microwaves are, and you know, that's a much lower intensity microwave than we were talking about. 5G and, and this whole generation, this, this is a global microwave is what we're creating. Yeah. And so I think that for the people that are trying to debunk this as a conspiracy theory, it is wise to state that the correlation theory that we're describing isn't limited to the fifth generation of technology. And it also has more to do with compromising the immune system and a number of other factors, as you alluded to earlier, in terms of environmental toxicity in the air, in the water, in the vaccines, in medication, uh, pre-existing conditions that render someone more susceptible to getting ill from any number of things, let alone a mutant mutant, uh, virus, right? So it's like, that, that's what is frustrating about it because the, the counter narrative is, well, what about all, as you said earlier, what about all these other places that don't have 5G? Oh, they don't have cell towers anywhere? 
There's self, in any major city, especially in a densely populated area, if you think about how many humans there are with a device, that's how many more cell towers you need. And that's why I think in, in places like New York City, you have such an abundance of this sickness. It's not just the 5G. It's just the environment in general is more toxic. Well, uh, and this is, this is a point that you're making that's so critical, right? So you got the toxicity, not just from the toxins in your body, but the toxins that have been introduced intentionally into your body in, in the words or in the, under the pretense of prevention, i.e. vaccines. So you start looking at those people in New York and some of the other places, look at the incidence of, I mean, New York has had draconian laws already in place for 10 years. You could not get, you can't do certain testing in New York. Uh, my patients in New York that have to do like heavy metal testing, they had to come to New Jersey to be able to ship those tests out. You can't do certain tests in New York. And this has been not just in the last two, three years, this has been going on for five, six, seven years. So they're, they're more toxic people in New York, without a doubt. And then those people being you know, hit with these vaccines, that's what we really need to be looking about. So when you're talking about the toxicity level and being any type of condition that can, that can you know, they become susceptible, you're absolutely right. But we shouldn't just be looking at the toxins that from the things we're breathing, the things we're eating, the things we're drinking. It's also the things that are being introduced into us with the pretense of protecting us, but in actuality, further making us more susceptible. I think something else that's a really interesting piece of the of the radiation, 4G, 5G, et cetera, is that the that the vaccines contain heavy metals in many cases, and you know more about this than I, or perhaps in all cases, uh, not to mention just the environmental load of heavy metals in the body that we're just breathing in and taking in, you know, from water, et cetera. And if you just look at the fundamental uh, uh, backbone of how radioactive waves go through the air, they hit metal and metals act as an antenna. I mean, I'm thinking back to the TVs when I was a little kid. If you couldn't get service, you'd go squeeze the the antenna with your finger and you'd be the ground and you would increase the uh, receptivity or the surface area of that antenna by simply touching it because of course the body's electric. And then if you, that didn't work, you put a bunch of tinfoil on it to make that even better. So when we have human bodies that are also full of heavy metals from a bunch of different sources, uh, not to mention the aluminum aerosols in the air and all that, which is the whole other conversation. Uh, we're walking around as, as antennas. We're already antennas because we're made of water, but add a bunch of metal to that water and, um, and people were going to get sick. The more of this radiation is in our environment, whether or not there's a virus or not. So, so let me add a virus to that. And it's just like, right. wow, we're just, we're a ticking time bomb, it seems. So let me just, let me just fine tune what you said, because what you said is 95% accurate, but I just want to make sure that in, in order to be consistent with, I'm a very precise type person. So I just cool. want to make sure that we, so what yeah, you said yeah. was absolutely true, but even without the metals, we have a lot of minerals and minerals act, they, they, they're the same type of characteristics, certain minerals, for example, copper, iron, selenium in too low of a dose, we'll die because we need them, but in too high of a dose to act as a heavy metal. So it's the heavy metal aspect that's really a concern that acts by the mechanism of action that causes damage is the oxidative stress, which goes back to the cause of all pathology is from oxidative stress. Okay. If you can eliminate oxidative stress, you can't have cancer, you can't have heart disease, you can't have stroke, you can't have anything. So when you made that comment uh, that it's the heavy metals in us, even if we didn't have heavy metals, just the fact that even if we were totally clean, 
we would still be able to conduct that because we are made up of water and minerals. And so we would be conducting anyway. So you're absolutely right about that. The problem is when you add the heavy metals to it, the heavy metals now disrupt our metabolic processes. So our cells, you know, we have trillions and trillions and trillions and gazillions of cells in our body. It's like 2.6 with like 29 zeros at the end. I have that in my book, actually, in the nice steps to keep the doctor away. But when you start talking about the number of cells in the body, and then you start looking at each cell has about 100,000 reactions per second, and how these metals then cause a displacement of essential enzymes and cofactors that are necessary for that metabolic machine to work on a normal way. So the, now you introduce these metals, they start blocking. It's like throwing a wrench in the engine. It's not working the right way. And it's that abnormality and that disruption times 100,000, you know, uh, reactions per cell times that 22.6 with the 29 zeros at the end. Now you start looking at how incredible the machinery of the, of the physiology is, not just humans, but all living organisms. It's just incredible how intricate and how beautiful and how perfectly it's designed. And now you take one little thing like uh, extra metal, um, like in mercury formaldehyde, and you introduce them to the body. And then you start doing it at certain critical times during the development. And then you start giving us genetically modified foods and homogenized foods and pasteurized foods and irradiated foods. And then you start introducing you know, more toxic substances into the air that we're breathing. And then you start having the mutated chimeric versions of these viruses that we're introducing into our environment. And then we start creating an electromagnetic field and radio frequency. It's amazing to me that there's a single human being still able to walk on this planet. <laughs> right. That's how incredible the design of the creator is to allow us to survive all these stupid things that we're doing to ourselves. So... It, you know, it's a testament to the creator and it's also proof positive how stupid man is and how, how we keep on screwing things up. And, you know, the question that people ask, well, what, these people that are behind this, aren't they aware that they're going to be absolutely, you know, exposed to this too? And it's a very, very valid question. And as you and I shared before we started this, before I think, I don't think we were recording yet, either one, they're too stupid to understand the implications or two, they already have technology to protect themselves. And there's already, like with Bill Gates, for example, his private doctor in a, in a closed door meeting with other doctors basically divulged that Gates won't vaccinate his own kids. And now I don't have firsthand knowledge of that, but that's what I saw in some of the media reports that were coming out. And you start to Dr. Oz, for example, took a flu shot on the air. Okay. And I have one degree of separation with Oz and I can tell you that as a matter of fact, what he took in his, in his arm was saline. It wasn't a vaccine. And his wife refuses to allow their kids to get vaccinated. So there are a lot of these people that Dude. are out there talking about it yeah. publicly, endorsing it, recommending it, um, promoting it on a level that is like you would think it's the next discovery since sliced bread, but themselves won't partake in it. And you know, I'll tell you something that one of my patients said to me a couple of years ago, they said, Dr. Tar, the thing that I appreciate about your practice is that there's nothing that is going into my body that hasn't already gone into your body. And that's the true statement. I, there's nothing that my patients get unless, I mean, 90% of the things that my patients get, I don't need it, but I still put it in my body first at a higher dose to see, because to me, it's, it's, a, it's a way of, from a safety standpoint. In fact, just, we just developed a new type of IV and I took it first. I had two patients that needed it, but I wouldn't give it to them until I'd taken it from a safety standpoint. And actually it was recorded because I was on the air uh, while they were doing this IV on me. And I wasn't, it wasn't about that. It was just on the air. And one of, <laughs> it was kind of funny because it hit me kind of hard. It was, it was 
done too, a little too fast. And I had to sit back and somebody said, look like you fainted. I said, I didn't faint. I just, you know, it kind of hit me as well. I just kind of laid back for a second. But I need to know these things to make sure it's safe for my patients. And I don't have 30 years and the patients don't have 30 years to wait till some double-blind placebo-controlled garbage BS type of thing is going to come back and say, oh, further studies are needed. I mean, this, I'll give you a perfect example. I'm, uh, this is going to be part of part six, but I've already announced this. So I, I want to let it out for your listeners. If anybody is truly at this point still concerned about COVID-19, I'm going to tell you the most important thing that a person should make sure they have in their body. You can get it anywhere. You could probably go out to a, you could probably go out to a beach or go out to a parking lot and lick the, lick the ground and get enough of this. I'm being sarcastic. Don't do that. But it's selenium. All right. Selenium is a vital, vital mineral, but in too high of a dose, it can cause problems. Now, there are certain people that were out there that started that, that I would think would normally put out good information, but they're saying because of a study that came out with the ACE2, the angiotensin converting enzyme 2 component with the selenium, oh, don't take selenium, make sure you don't take selenium. So um, I, I got a text at, at literally at midnight from Bobby Kennedy saying, should I continue my, my dose of the selenium? Because it's came up, I said, why would you stop, Bobby? What do you, I don't understand. And he sends me a post about do not take selenium if, uh, because it's going to make you more susceptible to COVID. Now, I'm telling you right now, I will put this out there. I have made two challenges. I've said, I will go anywhere in the world where there's COVID-19, anywhere in the world, and you pay for my ticket. I'll go there. I'll spend the night there. I'll engage with whoever, play cards with them. If, you know, depending on, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'll embrace them. I'll even kiss them. I have no problem with that because that's how insignificant COVID-19 is. But I want to be able to carry my, my own little arsenal with me. And one of those things would be selenium. There is nobody, I believe, on this planet that has more experience with selenium than I do. Now I'm talking about intravenous selenium. I've given more intravenous selenium than probably everybody else on the planet. And I can tell you that selenium, if you can maintain above a 95 micrograms per liter serum or plasma level selenium, of selenium, Enveloped viruses cannot survive, and COVID-19 or coronavirus will not survive it. It just can't. I mean, to be on the safe side, maybe go to 98 micrograms per liter plasma level. I don't even measure it. You just get, if a person is taking 250 micrograms of selenium or 300 micrograms of selenium for about 10 days and then drop down to 250 uh, micrograms of selenium, it's not going to survive in your body. That's just a basic fundamental thing. So that's one reason when they talk about plaquenil and zithromax, we can just take selenium, vitamin C, and, and silver, and it's not going to be an issue. And God forbid you really have a bad case of it, and you really think that you're going to die. I mean, come to the clinic, and in 24 hours, you're going to be back out there doing whatever the hell you're doing, because it's literally a non-issue. It's just not a non-issue. That's good information. I have some uh, selenium in the kitchen, and I've, I take it off and on, but that's that's a good one to remember. Uh, I but think, you know, the thing is this, Luke, if you're taking it, I mean, I, I have I have all sorts of selenium here in my house in the clinic. We, we actually ordered, before I realized what was going on because I knew it was a virus, I ordered 12 times the normal amount of IV selenium that we carry in our clinic, just, just in case if it was something. But I'm telling you right now, when people are concerned, I tell them, you don't have any symptoms. And if you did have symptoms, if I was a, if there was only enough dose left for me and I'd given all the patients and, and it came down to the last dose, nobody's waiting for it and I can take it, I still wouldn't take it because I would use it for somebody that may really need it. That's how insignificant and how, how minimal of an issue this really is. But these other issues you're talking about with the 5G and the toxicity aspect, toxicity has been going on for a long time. 5G aspect, they're using... They're, stay at home so they can roll it out on a bigger level. But then what comes afterwards, the mandatory vaccinations, the chips, the, 
all this other stuff. That. I want to go back to uh, the beginning a little bit, and then we'll, you know, we'll eventually ease into the in the summary of this thing, and we'll we'll call it a day because we've been going for a while. And I appreciate your time. Uh, I could talk about this stuff forever because I just I'm fascinated. But something that I think we kind of just sped through was the either fact or or, or I guess it's a fact because you've proven the doc in the documentation in your videos that this is a chimeric mutated virus, meaning it's a man-made virus, not one that has come from nature. So first part of the question is, um, who would make something like this? You mentioned the lab, I think, uh, in the States. And would this be the the motive of that to be a bioweapon that could be patented and owned by a government and, you know, released by the military and used against a population or something like that. In other words, what, what motive does someone have to make this chimeric version of a, of a mutant virus in the first place? And does it just get leaked out unintentionally because it's in the lab and they made a mistake or is it possible? Um, and of course you might not have the answer to this, but is it, is it possible that it could have been uh, released on purpose in order to cause this worldwide havoc that we're now experiencing? Well, first, I would recommend that you go and watch the third one, which is Corrupted Science. And almost everything that you just asked is actually explained in there in a lot okay. of detail. Cool. And it was the technology has been developed. University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill is where this chimeric process on this particular virus was done. and the scientist that released the information saying that this is probably from bat origin is the scientist from Wuhan that was studying at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill that was involved with this research and actually published it. And it was published in Nature Magazine, the exact specifics. And to make it even worse, the, the constituents of the studies that they did on the coronavirus, the, the specimens came from Fort Detrick, which is also, you know, that's, that's uh, Fort Detrick has had some pretty interesting history um, and the military's relationship and some of these things that have happened. Um, if you have ever read the book Project Day Lily that was written by uh, Garth Nicholson, who was a head of MD Anderson's laboratory division, he was involved with some of that research. And uh, Garth and I have talked about this. You know, I haven't talked to him in years now, but he was involved with some of that research and with, the, with HIV and some of these other components. But coming back, so I'll, I'll let you and I'll let the, the, the viewers because I can say certain things, but it's going to sound so far-fetched. It's better that you watch it because that way you can see it with your own eyes and the studies that I'm showing, and then it becomes very, very clear. So I show each one of those components in there. But let's come back to, let's go forward to what you were talking about. Is it possible as a bioweapon and is it, was it intentionally done? Now, I don't have any firsthand uh, knowledge of this and I have nowhere to establish this, but I, this is, I'll just tell you what I think. I think that, that what happened in Wuhan was a total accident. I don't think that was an intentional issue. I think it was a, and, and here, I'll give you my reasoning behind it. So I'm a chess player, okay? So I, I don't advance a piece unless I have support behind it. And I think that's just a good way to live your life. And that doesn't mean that I always, um, it doesn't mean that there couldn't be other possibilities here, but I believe that what happened in Wuhan with the COVID-19 was an accident. It wasn't supposed to happen that way. It happened by accident. And we here in the United States, the powers that be saw it as an opportunity for them to fast forward the agenda that they've been working on for some time and they capitalized on it. And the only reason I say that is that if it was really, if they did it intentionally, then they would have released it in their own 
country, first of all. I don't think that they were even aware of what happened because with the 5G rollout and this, it just happened to be coincidentally there. It was an accident that was waiting to happen. They got the toxic people there. They got the, you know, I don't think that, I don't think they were smart enough or nobody's smart enough to say, okay, let's go ahead and get the outgassing started in 2013. Then let's schedule the towers to go up in December and then let's release the first coronavirus in December. I don't think, I think it was all coincidental. And the fact that we took this opportunity and blew it up is, substantiated by the fact that Shanghai and Beijing were just conveniently skipped over and didn't have an issue and certain other countries didn't have an issue. Even in the United States, in part four, which you're going to love because it's all about 5G, there's one area of the United States that did not get hit with any COVID-19 till sometime in early April, right? And that's an area in West Virginia. It's about a 13,000 square mile area. Yeah, And, And all radio frequency... Uh, electromagnetic fields are prohibited by a con- constitution or by a um, federal law that was, I believe, signed into law in 1958. And it's only because there's an observatory there and it affects all the lenses and whatever else it is. I, I don't know enough about it to know, but it's prohibited to have any type of radio frequency, electromagnetic field generating device or anything else there. And the first case of COVID now has happened that they've got a couple now, but they were all people from Washington, D.C. or other areas that came in carrying it. It wasn't from people that were living there. So I, I kind of go into that in, in detail on, on, uh, the, on part three and 5G. I also saw something recently posted that, hey, you got to be careful. If it takes six or seven videos for somebody to explain their point, you, know, you got you to be cautious of that, of that person. And I'm thinking that, yeah, so, so that way then you say, well, it causes this and you're done with that statement. And then Newsweek or whatever can take that statement and say, you know, debunk theory that, 5G causes coronavirus. And that's exactly what would happen if you try to make a case with this in like five minutes or three minutes. You've got to be able to study it and understand it. And believe me, each video that I'm making, the reason I haven't released them all is because I haven't made them yet. I'm, you know, it takes information. Then to put it together, you know, for part five, I tell you, it was probably close to 90 hours of work to just go through the stuff, understand it, go back through it and recognize and say, is this something? Or is this not something? And then start to put the pieces together in the puzzle. And then, you know, to speak about it, in almost all those videos, people were concerned about it. They were like, man, you look exhausted. Because it was like six o'clock in the morning by the time I got through with it, you know, and, and I couldn't even sleep. I was like, I'll do it in the morning, but I couldn't sleep. I was so angry. I was, I was so bothered by this information. I had to do something. And that's why I put it out at that time. Because I'm, glad, was, you know, I'm glad you did. And yeah. another thing that I find interesting from the uh, media point of view is that and this is so bizarre to me but the mainstream media in the United States of America has sided with the media reports coming from communist China and I, and I'm going to preface this by saying and anyone that listens to my show I, I think would get this that I'm not racist against people from China by any stretch or against anyone for that matter never have been never will be um, so I'm, I'm, I feel for the citizens of China, but you have to look at the historical context of the communist regime of that country and the fact that at least conservatively, they've put to death 80 million of their own people through this flawed system uh, that now our media is going to communist China, controlled propaganda, 
and taking talking points from them and taking the reports from China at face value. And I think that was one of the things that first alerted me uh, also in seeing the media coming from China of people just walking down the street and just falling flat on their face and just very strange things of you know the sprayers going down the street and just all of this very staged looking uh, reporting going on there. And then our media just like fawning over China who, you know, again, as a republic uh, are, are, are much less than compassionate historically, right? right. Um, so I think that, you know, work like you're doing in those hours you're spending is, is critical to creating a greater understanding in the work that we're both doing now. I mean, I was up late last night. I got stuff to do. I, I already have enough episodes in the can to last me through September. Like I don't need to be doing more interviews, but I'm I'm driven to because there is so much conflicting information uh, coming at us now. And I think because, and this is the last piece I kind of want to touch on, because of the authoritarian, just out of control censorship that we're now seeing, uh, it's incumbent upon those of us that are privy to alternative points of view uh, to share them as widely as possible because it's even more difficult now to get these points of view out and they're so quickly uh, debunked online through you know, really like literal propaganda calling other points of view propaganda and conspiracy theories. They love that word uh, for any theory that doesn't fit the, the official yeah. narrative. I, I like to think of myself as a conspiracy analyst. I saw that in a meme the other day and I think that's pretty appropriate. I, I do like to analyze conspiracies because I don't like to be misled and I don't like to see innocent people harmed needlessly because they've been uh, led astray like sheeple or lemmings to the slaughter, you know? Right. And so uh, I respect, you know, the, the work you've put in these videos and the research and even more so than a conversation like this, when you can watch the scientific papers be brought up right in front of you and you can see the empirical evidence that even at times might not paint a complete picture and say, hey, I know this is what's happening, but hey, here's some of the things we can look at. I think that's really important work. Um, I appreciate and, that. I was going to just ask you, you said yeah. 80 million China. Is that, is that actually the real number? That's the conservative number that is, I mean, you can look that up on just, you know, you can actually use uh, <laughs> highly censored Google and that's the number you get. Yeah. So if that's true, then, you know, you said that you found it to be disturbing that in this, in this century, within the last right. century, 80 million people. So then you said that it's kind of concerning that the American media is now using talking points from the Chinese. So that really should give you, and everybody that's listening, it should give you, it should give us all concern because that's exactly the point. If that's what China's done and they've done it, you know, there's, there's that's a conservative number and we know what their media, how their media operates. And now we've seen that we're mimicking that. You can see what the agenda is. And now you know exactly why I'm concerned because is the United States going to follow that 80 million number too? Because they're following the same talking points, right? It's all fake stuff. They're, they're doing the mannequins and they're taking footage from one hospital, another hospital trying to stay together. I remember seeing the New York footage and the reason you saw that in part five, right? When I showed the yeah. New York footage. Yeah. And the reason yeah. I actually showed the footage as opposed to an image was because I wanted to get a, I wanted to really see how many of the doctors would be concerned about what I was seeing because I, I've spent a lot of time in ICUs. I've never seen an ICU like that. Okay. But the first time I saw it, it was the Italian hospital. So I figured, hey, it's just an Italian hospital. Like, I don't know what the Italian hospitals look like. But then when they're showing it in New York, I was like, what in God's name are they doing? So again, the media, if that's what, the, what you're saying, 80 million deaths, and this, we're taking the talking points from the Chinese media now, I think you've just made the case. We're, 
is the 80 million deaths going to be following here in North America? Because they're, it's the same agenda. And the reaction to this situation, <laughs> just call it that, I guess you'd call it pandemic because it is in, in one sense, uh, but the reaction to the situation by the authorities here uh, is starting to follow directly in line with the policies of this oppressive Chinese government in terms of the censorship, mm-hmm. the surveillance police state. Uh, you know, now you 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 text someone on WhatsApp, which is owned by Facebook, a link that says COVID nineteen or five G or Wuhan or any of this stuff. It'll get censored from your text thread. I mean, and that's just one of you know many ways. Obviously, I mean, Siri's probably listening to every word we're saying right now. It's just everywhere. Your freaking refrigerator's probably listening to you, and we've all just gone along with it because it's more convenient, faster downloads. You know, it's like, how fast do you need your downloads to be? Like, you got to talk to your phone. You, literally, you know, we've just we've been you, so that's kind such of a valid point. We've been so uh, you know dumbed down and led into this lazy, uh, you know convenience addicted culture that we are just kind of laying ourselves out for the next steps. And this isn't being paranoid. It's just like you can watch it unfold. For example, in LA, Garcetti, who's the mayor here, announced a couple of days ago that they're going to offer financial incentives for people that rat out. I think he actually used the word snitch. He said, and I'm, I'm not quoting directly, but I'm paraphrasing fairly accurately. Uh, Snitches used to be a bad thing, but in light of what's happening, you're going to be a good citizen and a good neighbor if you snitch on your neighbors for going out or not wearing masks or whatever it was, and we're going to give you a reward. I mean, that's straight out of... Yeah, this is social... This is what... what, Social shaming. It's that's what they're trying to... So they're, again, trying to say this whole thing with, you know, social distancing too, is to prepare us because, you know, you were talking about the, the chips, for example, that I saw a video last night preparing for today's video that I'm going to be doing tonight for part six, where they're putting chips into the hands back in 2016, 2017, so that they can walk up to a door that's uh, locked and they can automatically open it without having to unlock it or pay with the, instead of pulling out your credit card, you can pay with your hand. And they're talking about, you know, how that's going to be convenient, but they're setting us up to have those chips and that chip is going to be a scanning device to make sure that you've had your vaccine. That's where it's coming. And even the manufacturers of chips said, well, you know, I don't think I've, I've been equated to Hitler, but that's really not appropriate. You know, it's, it, this is just about convenience. Now, of course, if they start mandating it, that's a totally different thing. And that's exactly where we're coming down the pipeline. We've been dumbed down into believing that this is all for convenience, faster downloads, the refrigerators are talking to us to make our life e- easier. We can regulate the, how cold our water is from the refrigerator. But in actuality, this next step that's coming, and now you're talking about, you know, the mayor's talking about this social shaming and snitching. That's what we need to be worried about. That is the real fear. That's the real danger. Fear is this illusion we create in our own heads, but danger is real. And what they're doing is they're showing us danger for the COVID 19, trying to make us fearful of that. And I'm here to realign and hopefully many other people like yourself and myself that are going to help realign people and letting them know, know there's nothing to fear about COVID, but there is danger. And the danger is not what's coming in front of you. The danger is what's coming on your side or behind you that you're not aware of. And that's what we need to be able to help people awaken and become more Absolutely. Aware. And I want to applaud you for being on the right side of history. I want to applaud anyone listening, other media and content creators that are having the courage to challenge the official narrative at, at risk of losing their livelihood, uh, which I probably am. And it's just, I mean, what are you going to tell? I don't have children, but as you said, you do. What are you going to tell your children and your grandchildren that you did nothing to fight back when this authoritarian uh, rollout 
was in full force as it is now? Are you going to be the one that's debunking conspiracy theories online? Or are you going to be the one doing the research and bravely sharing that research despite the possible consequences and the social shaming and the outright banning from the various tech platforms? You know, um, as I was saying before we recorded, I was very concerned when I saw the beginning of the censorship start with Alex Jones. You know, within a 24 or 48 hour period, they took this guy who, you know, yeah, he's pretty fringe. What's funny though is now he's being proven right because shit he was talking about 20 years ago is now actually happening right before our eyes. Uh, So, you know, some of them weren't theories, folks, they were facts. But when they banned him, you know, they took down his podcast, his app. Uh, He got banned from YouTube, uh, you know, uh, Twitter. Instagram, demonetized. They kicked PayPal off his website. I mean, it was like, I don't know how many, say 12 different tech platforms just instantaneously, all in a concerted effort, just unperson this guy, a la George Orwell, 1984. I thought, man, even if I hated this guy and I did believe he was a, you know, a right-wing white supremacist or whatever they call this guy to discredit him, even if I hated that guy, I would find that to be terrifying. I mean, I don't have a lot of respect for a news channel like CNN, but if if they were banned from all platforms, I would be so pissed off because the only thing, as you said, you know, earlier around the Second Amendment, the only thing we really have that differentiates us or protects us from having all of our liberties and personal freedom taken away is the freedom of speech, the freedom of press, and of course the the right to bear arms. You know, and the freedom of press and speech being obliterated is what comes right before the right to bear arms does from a historical perspective. And that's what happened in Nazi Germany. I mean, I don't even know much about history and I know the basic fundamentals of it. If you do a little research at the timeline of how this goes. So I, I want to, you know, again, applaud you for doing the work you're doing at the risk of who knows what uh, financially and otherwise reputations and all the things that can be taken from us. And I want to encourage anyone listening to go to your site, to check out those videos, which you very smartly put behind an email wall or whatever it is so that you can't get them taken down because they're on your own servers, etc. And also to share podcasts like this, not because it's mine and I need the promotion, but just to find ways to subvert the sensors that we now face to share different points of view. Some ideas are going to be right. Some are going to be less right. But at least they're ideas that lead us in the right direction or open our minds to the possibilities and a new way of seeing things. And I think that as, as, a, as a society and a species, we don't understand how powerful we are individually or collectively and that the strength in numbers we have against these oppressive regimes that have you know, destroyed so many people's lives over the course of history, if people just woke up and really felt their true power, uh, we would be living a different future. And so. Right. You know, I, I, I thank you so much. And if you have anything to add about ways to uh, bypass the censorship, if you have any creative ideas of, of ways people can continue to share information like this that challenge the narrative, uh, because it won't be long before we all need new platforms. I mean, somebody just invited me to, let me see, what's it called? I thought I had the secret text app called Signal. And someone said, oh, Signal, that's old news. We're on Telegram now. Apparently, everyone's on Telegram. So uh, I'm I on a couple, Signal too. I didn't know about Telegram. Yeah, Telegram. I'm, I'm on a couple threads with some really prominent leaders in arts, entertainment, medicine, etc., who will remain, remain unnamed. I was invited into this channel and these guys are sharing information like crazy. And it's, it's encrypted. It's private. It's safe. No one knows what you're sending there. And so 
I think more of these platforms are going to emerge, and um, and I'm I really want to support them and give an app like that a shout out because it won't be long before none of us can use Instagram or Facebook or right. even you know any Google site and, or anything close to that because we're just going to get shut down and we have to have alternative ways to communicate with one another. Well, first, uh, I, I would like to point out that there is going this... I've been told that there's a new technology that's coming down the pipeline. We should have more clarification on it within another week. It's already been developed. It's coming from the highest source, a very, very, very close personal friend and you know somebody I've known for many years. And... Um, you know, he's uh, he's one degree of separation. I mean, actually, zero degree of separation from the leaders of our country right now. And uh, so, the platform is supposed to be able to give us ability to broadcast. Anybody with a subscriber base can broadcast without any censorship, without the internet. So, I'm not sure it's, it's disruptive technology, and so it should be available within another week, week and a half. I, I was told. I didn't know how expensive it was going to be. I was like, well, I hope I can afford it. And this person told me, don't worry. You're not going to have to worry about that for you. It's already taken care of. But regardless, for platforms, people that have... It it will allow every human being to become a broadcast channel if they so choose to broadcast to whoever they want, whoever their following is, without any censorship and without dependency on the internet. So that's one thing I wanted to... Wow, that's exciting because that's exciting. It is exciting. It is exciting. That's really, you know, and, I, and again, I, I I never want to fear monger. I just feel like I need to shake people and like go wake the fuck up. Like honestly, <laughs> if what if your internet just gets shut off and your cell service gets shut off, you might have the answer to solve any problem or give a perspective on anything that could help so many people. And if your community, if your lines of communication digitally are shut down, like no one's going to hear you. What are you going to do? It's, 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 it's essentially like killing you. Yeah. So it's like, how far off are we really from that? Maybe not that far. So that's really, really encouraging. I'm excited to hear that. And so uh, I'll, I'll let you know if uh, when that thing comes down the pipeline, but it's supposed to be, I was told it's going to be two to three weeks and that was about a week and a half ago. So, uh, and again, this is, there are people very high up in the government that want this information too, because they're also frustrated with what's going on. There are things that, you know, so there's always good and bad. In the CDC, we talk about all the bad people there, but there's some really good people in the CDC too. So pretty much everywhere, there are there are people that are fighting the right fight. So the second thing I wanted to say was I appreciate you, everything you just said for getting this information out. There are a lot of people that have uh, themselves, you know, put themselves out there. And I know that there was one guy from Video Advice that put a video out covering part of what I did on one of the videos, I think in video two. And it hit a million views and in maybe five or six days and yeah five days and then his his channel wasn't taken out but that video was taken down uh anonymous apparently just did a video with us and it's got like 1.3 1.4 million our own videos that we put out each one when they hit a million youtube took them down and then facebook followed suit and i know that those videos would have had 20 30 million views by now if they'd been allowed to continue with that information so it is about passing that information on paying it forward and I just want to thank you for that. And the last thing I want to say is that for everyone that's listening, I asked for people that had a history either with law enforcement or military to remember that the oath that they took for the U.S. Constitution to protect and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And I want you to remember that word domestic. And it's important that the difference between you in a uniform and you without a uniform is that you without a uniform is the same thing as a person that you're going to be asked to take action against. So remember that. Remember your role is to protect those that can't defend themselves. 
not to uh, forget that you as a law enforcement or military person is there to defend the rights of those that are weak, not to be the agents of the oppressors. So just remember that portion. And the last thing, Luke, I just want to say is when you were talking about people that are putting themselves out there, I want everybody else to remember that you, if you're not part of the solution, by definition, you're part of the problem. And there was a quote, I don't know who said it, but the quote is, the only thing in order for evil to perpetuate is for good men to stand by and do nothing. So I know there's a lot of good people out there. So this is a time for you to rise up, especially if you have a child, especially if you have children or grandchildren. Now is the time because if we don't do something today, in the next 30, 60, 90 days, the incredible world that we can be in, which I am 99% certain is going to be that incredible world, could be the opposite state. This is, I believe, an evolutionary process, as my friend Dr. Lipton likes to talk about, you know, everything, chaos and, and difficulty and pain is part and parcel of that evolutionary process. And the beautiful thing about that evolutionary process is that even though it's painful, it's necessary for growth. It's necessary for, to go to the next step, that evolutionary process. And so I just would like people to remind them of that. And then Luke, maybe you can share it because you can't get into advanced medicine unless they have an invitation code. So I don't remember what your invitation code was for, for two. Uh, you know what? Um, I will, how much we think I'm about promotion, find, right? I'm going to find yeah. Do I so remember I, that? Yeah. Forged, I'll put it in the show notes. Perfect. If that's perfect. An, I didn't realize that was something that could be shared. So yeah, I'll, I'll, absolutely, absolutely, because I'll link, that, I'll link that out that to will, your site. Yeah. So actually, yeah. let me do this. If people need to get access right now, they can go to Ask Dr. Buttar, which is A-S-K-D-R-B-U-T-T-A-R.com forward slash live stream. But within the next hour or two, you can also go to askdrbuttar.com forward slash Luke Story, S-T-O-R-E-Y, right? Cool. Okay. Yeah, so exactly. I'll have my IT guys get that all set up so that all they have to do is go to askdrbuttar.com forward slash Luke story. And that way they don't even need an invitation code. It'll all it sequence them through. It gives them all the information. And, and the big thing that I want to announce is that we are going to release all these videos to everybody to download. We're in, trying to set that up. These are large files, two and a half to three gigabytes. But I want to give them out to every single person because even you know putting them behind the wall was one thing, Luke. And the, the strategy was good. But then one of my friends, a good friend of mine, you probably uh, have heard of her, She's been on like so many different shows. Uh, Nia Peoples, she's a, a movie star. She used to be in Fame, and, and you know, anyway, she's been in every type of show. You, if, you, if anybody saw her, they'd know who she is. Nia had this brilliant idea. She said, "You know what you should do, Rasha? Give it to everybody. Let it out. So because now, if everybody has a copy and they can pass it around, they can't censor it. They can't prevent it. They can't stop it from being uh, spread. And so that's what we're going to do. I just want to get the sixth one and seventh one out so everybody can download it." And you can spread it far and wide, you can keep it divided, whatever you want to do. But the more people that have it, the less censorship that they can do. And you all have the truth in your possession. Awesome, man. Thank you for that. And uh, we'll definitely put that in the show notes, which will be you know emailed to everyone and on my site and everywhere where this thing shows up when we're done. Uh, and yeah, I, I appreciate you in closing and bringing us back to a hopeful, positive place because I know for many people, this information can be so daunting. It can seem hopeless because the forces that we're up against are seemingly so enormous and powerful. Uh, and uh, I truly believe that by sharing information and through compassion and even compassion for the people that 
are perpetuating an agenda that's self-serving and dangerous, they're doing so out of fear also, you know, and so not to condone the behavior of uh, anyone that's hurting other people um, by any means. But I see the bigger picture personally, that these are people living in fear, people that have been traumatized, people that are stuck in their limbic system, and all they can do is grab for more control and power. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's the nature of the human animal. When you take a ferocious beast, ape human and give them a prefrontal cortex, uh, it's easy to forget that we also have a spiritual soul and that that's truly what we are. And, you know, the message on this show is always all about love, but sometimes love comes with the rude awakening. You know, it, it also comes with the serving of wisdom and a serving of harsh truths. And uh, I, I appreciate your perspective and your contribution to both of those in equal measure. So thanks for closing on that. And uh, thank you, Luke. I just yeah. want to just want to people remember where attention goes, your energy is going to flow. So put your attention towards the outcome that you want. And on our on our uh, private uh, IEDFW membership, it stands for International Association for a Disease-Free World. We have one of our rules is that no matter what you feel, if the person is not present, you cannot attack them. You cannot say anything derogatory. If they're there and they can defend themselves, otherwise don't do it. And then in parentheses, I put down, except for Bill Gates. But, then, <laughs> you know, but you That's know, exactly what just came to my mind. I was like, really? Even him? You know, the, the compassion for him is a stretch for me. But I'm, I'm, Well, and that's, that's what made me think about it because you were talking about, you know, having yeah. compassion for the other side. And that's, that's tough to do sometimes. And, you know, love and gratitude are the two greatest you know, resources and, and weapons in our arsenal that we have is love and gratitude. So stay focused on that part of it. And once you're aware of the knowledge, then the one thing is you can never be a victim. And that's really the most important thing for me is that people are empowered with the knowledge. And so don't allow this information to scare you. And as you said, Luke, you know, it, it is meant to be a, a message of awareness and hope so that people know that they are things they can do. So this, when you guys go to the askdrbatar.com forward slash Luke story or, or live stream, wherever you go, there's going to be a form that's going to ask for certain questions. And some of those questions are about if you're military past military, past uh, law enforcement, uh, if you're an attorney, so that, not that I'm trying to collect anybody's information, but we are creating a force to go out there, an international force to be able to help with being able to do the next thing that we need to, to take act, because people are asking me, what can I do? So anything that you can do to participate, uh, you know, let us know because we are going to be reaching out. And the more people that know that there's a participation aspect here, we don't need money. We're not asking for money. That's not the, this, it's all about resources, skills, uh, knowledge base, things that you can help to contribute to get this word out. And hopefully we'll be able to take some action on a mass level to negate some of these things that are coming down the pipeline that are going to make life harder and make this into the incredible planet that it already has the potential of being that we have screwed up as man. So let's get it realigned and get it set in the right path where attention goes, energy flows. So just keep your attention high and participate. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time today. Thanks for your, your hard work in the battle. And I can't wait to check in with you soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Luke. I appreciate it. I trust that at this point in the episode, your mind is fully blown. In fact, as I picture you, the listener sitting there listening to this, I, I'm seeing that uh, blown mind emoji where the skull's kind of exploding. Uh, figuratively, not literally, of course. And as I asked in the intro, uh, in the interest of free speech and freedom of press, please share this show with as many people as you can, because we each deserve the right to form our own opinions about the current events. And that right is currently and very seriously being trampled by the big tech babysitters of misinformation. 
Knowledge is power, you guys, and sometimes it's all we've got going for us in the fight for truth and liberty. I'd also encourage you to follow up on the documentation that Dr. Buttar presents during his various videos on his website. That's where the rubber really meets the road. I mean, anyone can come on a podcast and run their mouth about whatever theories they've invented on their own. But when you've got people really doing the research and they have uh, relevant documentation to support their theories, it becomes much more meaningful. And I'd encourage you to keep seeking the truth and listen to all sides of every story. Not everyone in the mainstream media is wrong. There is some validity there, of course. Not everyone in the alternative independent media is right. Many people are kooks and many people are full of shit, you know? So you really have to use your gut, use your heart and your own discernment to arrive at what the truth feels like for you. And that truth is always evolving as more information is revealed. So thank you so much for having the courage to join me and Dr. Buttar in this sort of tough conversation. I know if you're someone who's not familiar with this point of view, Uh, This type of information, these red pills can be exceedingly bitter. And I so appreciate you being willing to uh, swallow it and, um, you know, spit back up what doesn't fit. But the most important part is that we're able to speak freely and uh, share information as we wish. So thank you so much for joining me. And I look forward to seeing you share this on social media. Tag me on Instagram at Luke Story. And let's go ahead and end this thing on a positive note. As Dr. Buttar indicated, we are at the beginning stages of a global awakening. And as bad as some of the news is that we're being presented with, there's a lot of good news and a lot of people are waking up. And in light of a couple of my live speaking events being canceled, I've booked some live stream events coming up that I'd like to share with you. I'll be presenting them with my girlfriend, my main girl, Allison Charles. First one is this Monday, April 20th at 10.30 a.m. Pacific with Wellset and Healer Collective. That's 10.30 a.m. this Monday, April 20th. Then we'll be doing another one next Friday, April 24th at 11.30 a.m. Pacific with Frequency Mind. And uh, during these live streams, we'll be doing some guided meditations, some shamanic journeys, some uh, deep dives into spirituality and into the void. And using these as an opportunity to connect to our higher selves, to connect to one another, and to pull our minds out of the gutter we currently find them in. So I'm really excited to be presenting with Allison. And uh, these first two gigs are the first of what I hope to be many offerings that we share together. So uh, to get tickets and links to all of those, I've made it really easy. Just go to lukestory.com forward slash events lukestory.com forward slash events. I'll go ahead and thank our sponsors. We've got Just Thrive. Uh, They make a great spore-based probiotic. You can find them at thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. The discount there is 15%. The code is Luke15. Lambs EMF proof underwear and beanie. That's so funny. I'm sitting here. I'm going, wait, am I wearing my underwear? Yes, I am. I'm wearing my lambs, but I don't have my beanie on, but I should because my Wi-Fi router is like, 10 feet away from me as I sit at this desk, which really blows. Uh, But lambs help you out with that. They make EMF proof 4G, 5G, 3G blocking underwear that are super comfortable and awesome, really high quality. They last forever. I've had mine for quite a while now. They show no signs of wear and you can find them at getlambs.com. And um, 
Over there, uh, well, I don't know. Do we have a discount code? I'm looking at my notes here and it says <laughs> you get 20% off until December 31st. So I guess not. But anyway, get over to Get Lambs. They're not very expensive anyway. And if they save your reproductive organs from getting fried by EMFs, it's worth it, whatever they are. That's getlambs.com. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Peak Tea and peaktea.com, man. These guys make the best tea in the freaking world. It's spelled P-I-Q-U-E-T, peaktea.com. What I love about Peak Tea is that they are extremely potent and more than anything, they're so easy to make. I don't really drink tea because you got to like boil the water, dip the tea bag in there, then you got to wait and then it gets cold. You forget about it. You pull the tea bag out. It makes a mess. I just have always found, honestly, found tea to be a pain in the ass. I like the way it tastes, but just the, I don't know, maybe I'm lazy. It's just too much work. Peak tea come in these little portable packets. You can take them anywhere. And they have like something like eight times the antioxidants as normal tea. They're highly concentrated powdered teas and they taste freaking amazing. So go to peaktea.com and check them out. You can find everything that I slang on this show, by the way, at lukestory.com forward slash store. That's where I provide links and discount codes to every single thing I use to keep myself healthy and happy. So there you go. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. It's uh, you know, simultaneously a terrifying and exciting time we find ourselves in right now. And don't forget again to share this episode. I think it's so important, not just because it's my show, but just so important to share alternative points of view right now. And we're all being censored and taken down from various social media platforms. I know Dr. Buttar is having a hell of a time just for asking questions, man. It's it's really not cool. So whether it's this show or other shows like this, um, please put some effort into uh, bypassing the censorship and do what you can to keep these messages alive and keep sharing information that's going to uh, inform and support your fellow citizens of the world. God bless. Love you. See you next week.